Hello Gamer Nation, GM Hooley here. Tonight's episode of The Forge, a Genesis RPG podcast, is brought to you by the generous donations of Thea Fattel, Jason Holloway and David Morris, as well as all of our other amazing Patreon supporters. If you would like to become part of the Forge community, you can learn more at patreon.com forward slash Forge Genesis. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support this very podcast in continuing to provide you with amazing content. Thank you to all of our fans for reblogging, retweeting, sharing our latest episodes, along with those who offer support and encouragement for this podcast. It really is appreciated by both Chris and myself. For now, however, let's get on with the show. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Hello, Germination, and welcome to The Forge, a Genesis RPG podcast covering everything that you need to know about the latest and greatest from Fantasy Flight Games, or perhaps that should be Ed Studios, Genesis Foundry, and the <laughs> Genesis role-playing game. I'm your host, Jim Hurley, and tonight we have a wonderfully wild episode where we'll be inviting some very special guests onto the show to celebrate the big wins in our very first annual Forge Podcast Show Awards for Foundry Products. Looking forward to that. But so as to not leave you hanging too long, and you've all been very patient with us, without some juicy Genesis content, we're also returning to the furnace and our much-delayed ongoing look at Archetype Creation. This time... We're ramping up the smarts and we're inflating that grey matter with uh, the construction of intellect-based archetypes. Really looking forward to that and I hope you are as well. But before all of that, let me introduce you to the man whose grey matter is actually deflating at an astounding and scientifically proven rate. It's GM Chris. Chris, how are you going, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good Disney. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. It has been a long time between episodes, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it has, man. Um, yes. It has. Life life has been getting in the way. Mm. But you, you, you have certainly been busy. I have to congratulate you. You, I know, I know you can't share details, but those oh. of us who follow you on social media mm-hmm. saw your recent announcement that uh, you, you are now in the freelance employ of Edge Studio. I am, and uh, also doing a little bit of playtesting for them as well. So uh, lots happening there, but obviously, as you said, cannot discuss any of it. But uh, I think everybody will be looking forward to what they're producing. It's fantastic. So uh, well, you know. I, I, I am, I am, I'm going to congratulate you. I know you've been dealing with some deadlines lately too. So mm, I'm very much. I'm, so. uh, I, 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 much, much love, brother. Much love. <laughs> Thank you, man. But this, it's a, it's a nice sort of happy medium to be involved in. Um, by being involved in the podcast, it gives me a little bit of downtime, gets to hang with you for a while, and also to meet some of our special guests that we'll be talking to a little bit later on. So, I'm looking forward to that. Know. 
It's been a long time coming, and a lot of people have been asking us about the Forge Awards, which is great. Uh, but yes, terribly sorry about the delay, but these things do happen. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully this will make up for all of that. So, <laughs> so. Uh, but Chris, before we get into the show proper and our exciting discussions that we do have um, coming up, I think it's important that we review what's new on the Foundry because. Life has kept us away from the airwaves for too many weeks now, and boy, has there been some products. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it, there has been, sir. There has, and and in that vein, um, and also based on on the listener feedback that we we love to get from you guys, hmm. we're going to introduce a slight augmentation. He said in air quotes <laughs> um, to our stoking the fire segment, uh, specifically when it comes to pro- uh, foundry product showcasing. Yeah, indeed we are. And, uh, you know, we've been finding that with regularity, even when we haven't had a longer than a month gap between our episodes, uh, our, our Foundry product showcases are taking quite a bit of time to, uh, to go through. On the one hand, you know, this is an exciting thing. So many products are being released uh, to, uh, you know, that you can get your talons into. Indeed. But on the other hand, it's almost become a show unto itself just to even showcase them all. Even Mm. spending just five minutes on each leads to 20 to 30 minutes of a rundown that honestly, when we started this show, we would never anticipate would get that big. I don't think we ever anticipated we'd see this much releasing on the Foundry with such regularity. Absolutely right. And uh, not to mention that we here at the podcast don't always have the time or the funds to be able to adequately read and review every single product release between each of our episodes so uh, you know we've we've decided that we're going to switch our format up a bit um, with stoking the fire to briefly list new releases so that you can see what piques your interest and uh, then focus a spotlight on one or perhaps two products that we've had the chance to review and really recommend you check out well put mm. Okay, Huli. So I'm super excited to get into this episode. So do you want to just head into this uh, aforementioned segment? Absolutely, we can. So let's start shoveling that coal and move into Stoking the Fire. Stoking the Fire. And welcome to Stoking the Fire, a segment dedicated to letting you know all there is to know about the releases from the Genesis Foundry and the Genesis role-playing game. But first, Chris, as we always do, would you like to tell us about the D20 Radio Podcast of the Week. Most certainly. Um, our, our podcast this week is the Me and Steve Talk RPGs podcast. <laughs> um, this is a great show. It's a fairly new affiliate uh, to the D20 Radio Network, mm-hmm. um, and it grew actually from its eponymous host, Steve and Steve, finding themselves spending hours in the parking lot after their game sessions just talking about the other non-mainstream <laughs> RPG games that they love to play or that they mm. would want to get on the table. Um, and so they decided, you know, let's take this discussion and this shared love to the airwaves. Mm. Um, so Steve and Steve devoted uh, d- devote their episodes uh, to, to varied RPG options that will tickle your sense of the new and wondrous. Um, in their most recent episode 11, I actually had the chance to come on and guest host, nice. uh, specifically to talk about Genesis, Star Wars, and the narrative dice system. Mm. Um, it was a really fun episode, and this is just a fun show. And if you're like me, and you love different RPGs, and you're a bit of a system neophile, um, it will introduce you to a lot of hidden corners in the RPG world, as well as, like in the case of narrative dice, larger systems that thousands of gamers love, mm. but they just 
aren't D&D, basically. <laughs> um, so go and check the show out. And you can find it and many more amazing gaming and geekery podcasts right now over at d20radio.com. How many times have you had a conversation that's lasted almost longer than that session outside after a session? I know that that's happened to me more than once. <laughs> with, with regularity. It also happens with podcasts. Uh, we, we, have, we have these post-recording conversations that last, you know, especially with guests, longer than the episode itself, which is always fun. So, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, after checking that out, um, you know, it's a fantastic podcast. Give it a listen. Uh, make sure you also check out the amazing blog articles over at d20radio.com. And while you're carousing about the internets, why don't you head on over to Genesis Foundry at DriveThruRPG, where you can find the latest and greatest Foundry releases for the Genesis RPG. Now, we've had quite a few releases um, since our last episode in October, haven't we, Chris? Uh, So uh, before we (laughs) focus on our spotlight, uh, let's run through each of them, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Again, with with a, with a bit of an improved format, just a quick rundown. Hmm. Um, a few things to take a look at. We had the release of Dinosaurs, a prehistoric <laughs> bestiary for Genesis, um, by a, a, a newer author that I love his work, Lee Ironside. Hmm. Um, uh, absolutely, absolutely love this. Our own uh, uh, guest uh, RPG narco Roy Altman mm-hmm. um, brought two things in the last few weeks. Um, uh, Genesis Foundry Assets uh, cover templates. Mm. So for those looking for cover templates uh, from a Foundry Asset perspective, yep. uh, he's done them for you. He also released, I am so thrilled, Genesis Landscape Auto-Calculating Character Sheets. <laughs> this is a pay-what-you-want PDF Genesis character sheet in landscape mode. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, thank you, and thank you, by the way. Thank you. Um, next up, as usual, we've got about 78 titles released by Chris Markham. <laughs> um, it's true, though. <laughs> uh, we have Cities of Splendor, a tour guide of the free cities of Manara. Mm-hmm. We have Menacing Mistlands, which is an in-depth look at the Mistlands cursed barony of Manara. Mm-hmm. Then, I'm very excited about this. Chris released City Symbols and Other Official Heraldry, mm-hmm. Monsters 1, Monsters 2, Heroes 1, and Hero 2. Yep. Those five products are all free slash pay what you want and mm-hmm. are essentially a grouping of really great art packs mm-hmm. for anyone to use at, at home or in their Foundry products. Yep. It's a great um, marketing ploy by him, but... Um, absolutely it's, is. It's, absolutely um... <laughs> is. But, but golly gee, free art, pal. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh uh, Markham also released uh, Dangerous Dragons, mm. uh, Dragon Bestiary for Terranoth. Yes. Um, Honorable Heroes, a collection of nine pre-generated heroes for Terranoth. Fantastic um, for new players. Yep. Volume 5 of Terranoth Treasures, the next mm-hmm. volume in his Equipment Guide series. Um, and lastly, a collection of 14 mini-adventure guides called Rewarding Rumors. Mm. Um, so a lot of stuff from Chris. Yep. Um we have a few other things that I was just tickled to death over. <laughs> the first is the the headless rider of Narek Tower. Yep. From from uh, a writer I enjoy, Giri Giri Rahman. Giri released this. It's a Halloween inspired fantasy adventure module that that plays off the headless horseman and 
for Genesis. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Mm, really good module. Really good. Very, very good. Next, we have boost number four, Steampunk. This is the latest in the Book of Online Source Triumphs sort of magazine mm-hmm. um, that it, this time explores the subgenre of steampunk, and it was created by the various brains in the Genesis Discord server, <laughs> including Caleb Smith, Flame112, Gary Raman, Chris Markham, and Tyler Comstock. Yep, yep. And lastly, we have Children of Aten, mm. a Genesis fantasy steampunk setting by a brand new massive setting from first time author Jared Henry. Hmm. And I think we might be diving into that a bit more in this week's spotlight. I think we might. Well, as you can tell, that's a lot. And this <laughs> is what happens when you go over six weeks between episodes, I guess. <laughs> yes. <Sorry. laughs> it's all true. But Huli, from this lengthy list, as I alluded to earlier, I believe we do have a product that we really want to spotlight in Stoking the Fire. Yeah, absolutely, we do. Uh, We were very impressed by the stout news setting of Children of Atten, Genesis fantasy steampunk setting, uh, as Chris mentioned, by Jared Henry. Uh, This is uh, Jared's first outing on the Foundry, and what a freshman entry it is. No Um, Children of Atten is over 130 pages of a packed original fantasy setting with deep steampunk flair. And, it, and it's truly in a massive scope. So in a nutshell, Children of Adam is a setting where there are many, many, many worlds, or realms as they call them, each with their own unique biomes and native species. But they are unpredictably connected by pathways that might open or close anywhere at any time. You know, it's got a very Eberron feel to it um, in that yeah. sense, which I love. It's like it's like it's like it's like Eberron meets Spelljammer. Yes, and, yes. And it's it's good yeah, analogy. Yeah, love it. Love good it. analogy. Yeah, um, but where it really diverges from most fantasy settings in, is that that magic is very very rare, um, and it's very very dangerous. Despite its its clear presence across all the worlds, hence the steampunk feel. Uh, you know, ultimately, again, much like Eberron. Uh, Children of Adam reads and, and lends itself to these massive, epic, universe-spanning fantasy adventures. Yeah. Now, the setting guide is, first of all, gorgeously illustrated uh, and details varied realms, each of which includes an example encounter seed or perhaps a hazard, as well as native creatures, NPCs, and even mounts or pets, which is really handy uh, for anyone. Um, in any sort of setting that they're using, uh, especially in the fantasy genre. Uh, but there is also a strong theme of war between the realms, and Children of Adam also focuses heavily on, on what Jared calls epic combat, uh, which is about massive battles with siege engines and heavy fortifications. Now, the setting is, uh, you know, is just jam-packed. 18 playable archetypes based on eight species from the different realms, a new magic spell action, hypnotism, uh, which is difficult to do but very powerful when when you are successful, 73 new talents, 95 adversaries, including mounts, beasts of burden, pets, and dangerous monsters. You know, this new setting uh, has appropriate gear, weapons, and armor, with 16 craftsmanship styles, uh, which is another unique flavor as well. 
13 fantasy steampunk vehicles from airships, gliders, and clockwork carts to to simple wagons and rafts. Uh, And, of course, the aforementioned new rules uh, and mechanics for epic battles with siege engines and heavy fortifications. So there is a lot in there. Yeah, and as you can imagine, the steampunk vibe goes into that Mm. epic battle kind of thing you know with 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 siege engines so it's really it really is unique bottom line you know i love seeing incredibly creative work like this Mm. um it clearly has its roots in a lot of established ips and kind of Mm. brings them together into something new and exciting Mm -hmm. um this is this is a rare freshman effort Mm. um and 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 a very well done setting that is well worth its ten dollar price tag um frankly just for the magic and and new combat rules alone Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, well done, Jared. Uh, hopefully, we can get you on the show soon to dive into Children of Aten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I can't wait to. I, I was I was very pleased. I'm still diving into it. I'm very pleased. <laughs> um, all in all, overall, just some great products coming out in the last in the last several weeks. Uh, and you guys can find them all, including Children of Aten, and so much more fantastic Genesis Foundry content right now over at DriveThroughRPG.com uh, by simply performing a search using the words Genesis Foundry. Yep. And speaking of the Foundry. Chris, before we get into the furnace and focus on our show tonight, we're actually going to cover our secondary segment first. Um, we're doing it, uh, it's an upside down world tonight, um, with a very special segment dedicated to do the 2020 Forge Awards. Now, we've been talking about this for many months, and it's been in the planning stages for almost just as long, it would appear. Uh, but uh, the votes are in, and our first annual show awards for Foundry content has finally wrapped. And I can't wait to share who our winners are. What do you say? Chris, we get into it. Sounds like a plan, Huli. Let's do it. Genesis RPG podcast in association with Fantasy Flight Games, Edge Studios, and Drive Through RPG. Uh, none of whom know anything about what we're doing. We celebrate everything about the Genesis role playing game and the Genesis Foundry. The Forge Podcast proudly presents the 2020 Forge Awards. And now your hosts, GM Hooley and GM Chris. Yes, a huge big thank you to uh, the Deep Voice, also known as Jeff. So thank you for that wonderful intro, and thank you to our live studio audience, if only we really had one. (laughs) All right, so a very long time ago, in fact, just a couple of months after the Forge podcast launched, friends of the show, Foundry contributor, and official freelance Genesis writer, Keith Ryan Kappel, put a crazy idea into our heads. What if the Forge podcast had an actual annual award for Foundry content, a show award, basically, where we honoured all the varied products submitted to the Foundry each year and recognised those that were exceptional. 
However, having never done anything like that before, we loved the idea. And uh, so we decided to run with it cautiously, exploring how we would handle this first year with the goal of expanding and making it even bigger in future years. And to be honest, it wasn't very easy. Uh, there (laughs) (laughs) There was some amazing Foundry content submitted in that first year and a lot of it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there, there, there really was some products which really blew the community away uh, with their with their creativity, their utility, and just really solid writing. Um, and as such, Huli and I kind of explored how we might do such a, a show award. We we settled on a few rules this time around. First of all, we knew that we would only consider products submitted to the Foundry between July thirty first, twenty nineteen, and July thirty first, twenty twenty. That we do this sort of you know. August to July timeframe every single mm. year as kind of our, our cutoff timeframe. Yeah. Next up, we, we, we said, you know, we, we kind of wanted this to be a show award. So we thought, you know, at the very least for our first year, we would try the idea of letting the patrons of this very show be the voting body uh, for the majority of the awards, uh, mm. with us also uh, having a vote. Yeah. Um, now, while any listener was welcome to nominate a product, the, the voting panel would be patrons and hosts of the podcast because it's mm. their podcast awards, basically. Yeah. Um, lastly, we settled on four award categories plus a fifth special category uh, based on the types of content that creators were publishing on the Foundry. Uh, we, we decided on awards for Best Adventure because there have been a lot of great adventure modules, Huli, um, and, you know, and seeds and compilations have been published for varied settings. Mm. You know, regardless of length, regardless of setting, this would be the award for the Best Voted Adventure Product. Yep. Uh, we decided on an award for, for Best Setting. Um, several amazing settings were developed for the Foundry during this time period, and and this award will recognize the best voted one. Hmm. Then we had an award for best general supplement. A lot of great, amazing, sensational products just didn't fall into adventure or setting. Hmm. I mean, we're talking we're talking equipment guides, GM and player tools, new mechanical system guides, basically anything that was not an adventure or a setting. The best voted general supplement. And that was a huge number that we had. (laughs) Huge number of products. Um, Also reflected in the nominations we had. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. Absolutely huge. Very competitive category. Um, And then, of course, we also wanted to have a category after we talked about it for best layout and design. When you you have a a fan slash community created content platform like the Foundry, you, you can't expect the level of layout or graphic design asset that you would from a professional studio, but mm. but we've been shocked <laughs> by by how many creators have just gone above and beyond to create these incredibly well-designed, easy to use, and, and just beautiful products. And that category is for them. Yeah. And lastly, we have the, a special award called Best Product or Product of the Year. Mm-hmm. Basically, we, we you know, Huli and I were talking about it. We wanted to have a best in show award, mm-hmm. just one, Re- regardless of what category it fell into, what, what, what product contributed the most to Genesis in this time frame. And furthermore, we decided to try something a bit different with this last special award. Number one, we didn't want nominations for it. As far as we were concerned, any released product in the time frame would be eligible. Yeah. Secondly, it would not be voted upon by the show. We wanted it to be voted upon, not by the patrons and hosts, but 
the only available votes for that special award of product of the year would come from those who had actually written content for the foundry. In other words, your fellow writing peers recognizing your contribution. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's also worth noting, Holly, that, of course, we we recused our own foundry work from the awards for obvious reasons. That's right. <laughs> exactly. And, I, and I'm sorry to uh, to Roy for um, being involved in the editing process. And then we threw that on him uh, <laughs> with one of the products that I did for him with the uh, the character sheet. So, uh, but yeah. that, it would be unfair if uh, we were involved. And uh, we want to try to remain as transparent as we possibly can. Well, our nominations, they did come in flying. Uh, it was great. And uh, you can find the full nomination list at forgedenesis.com. And all patrons voted in our four primary awards for the first place and runner-up. Each first place vote earned the product two points. Each runner-up vote earned one point, with a total points determining the first place and runner-up in each of the categories. And the races were heated. They were. They were. It was, ab- it was absolutely fascinating watching it all roll in. <laughs> uh, you know, ties were aplenty and we had some close races in some of the categories. It'll be broken down by the number of first place votes. Uh, so without... In the case of a tie, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So without further ado, let's announce the general award winners. Yay! <laughs> all right. So our first award is Best Adventure. Now, we had a total of eight adventures nominated this year. They include A Wintry Death by Jason Duff, Brain Drain, Android Genesis Adventure by Scott Zumwalt, Hadra's Shard, uh, Part 1, where's Part 2, um, by Darren West, uh, <laughs> Her- Hero Time Number 1, Lair of the Plague Doctor by Neil Cobb, Power of the Varel, A Genesis Weird War Adventure by Christopher Hunt, Power Play, an Android mini campaign by uh, my favorite author ever, next to a certain other person, um, is Sterling Hershey, and uh, The Skill Adventures by David Champ. Uh, and last but not least, Starkana, Everything New is Old, from Studio 404 Games. Now, this one was a very, very, very close race. So our runner-up this year is... Brain Drain, Android Genesis Adventure from Scott Zumwalt. This uh, well-loved adventure designed for Shadow of the Beanstalk has provided a lot of play for one of the more beloved settings out there for Genesis and is incredibly well-written. And the intrigue within it is fantastic. Uh, So congratulations, Scott. Congratulations, Scott. Yeah, good work. Awesome stuff. Awesome. Now, our first place winner... Um, as we said, very, very close race is Hadris Shard, part one from Darren West. Uh, this fantasy adventure design for Terranoth was fun, original, and has continued to keep fans and players messaging and uh, salivating for the sequel. Uh, I'm sure he's been inundated all the time, um, but you know what? We can ask him whether he has been uh, as we <laughs> welcome to the show. Darren, congratulations on your first win, brother. Wow. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> that's that's a, a big host of um, amazing writers to be in in the same running with. So thank you for everybody who did that. 
that's really nice. Oh, yeah, man. Congratulations, man. I mean, this is a big deal. This was, you launched this, this was launched like with Foundry launch, wasn't it? It was. It was launched with the Foundry la- um, launch on the 31st. Wow. Um, Such a long time ago. <laughs> that's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> so, but no, man, that's that's absolutely incredible. That's absolutely incredible. So the big mm. question, man, when are we going to see part two? <laughs> Well, uh, part two is actually gone through first edits, um, and it's been in alpha testing. So I'm actually going to open it up for beta testing very soon. Part Ooh. three, part three is partially written um, and already kind of in alpha testing, uh, play testing with my home group. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it's coming along pretty good. I'm hoping what I'd really like to do is um, put two and three out back to back if I could. Mm. Um, 2020 has been a uh, a crazy year. So, uh, it has, it has put my plans behind a little bit, but, uh, yeah, uh, I have renewed my efforts as of recent, recently. Hopefully this will spur you on a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, and I, I don't want to, I, I want to make sure that I don't forget to thank my amazing editor, Kate Cunningham, my proofreaders and all the play testers and, uh, even Scott, who helped me with you know layouts and things like that, so just amazing. So yeah, absolutely, one congratulations, brother. Um, well, dude, if you're willing, we'd love to have you stick around as we talk through the other awards and uh, as we bring on some some other first place winners for our other awards. Uh, maybe you can hang out for a little bit of a convo. Does that oh, sound heck, okay? Heck yeah, I can't wait. All awesome. right, cool. Well, let's move on then to our next award. Yes, um, which is best setting. <laughs> um, so of all the of all the products submitted, settings are the hardest. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's the big enchilada. It's the big cheese. And and we've had we've had some really amazing settings submitted this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had some that that were submitted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As we be diplomatic. <laughs> uh, we also had some that were submitted, but mm. I, it is safe to say that the five settings who received official nominations, mm. um, and I do have to note that every single one of these five nominated settings received votes, both yep. for first place and runner up. Okay, mm-hmm. so so this was this was this was a very a very tight race here, mm-hmm. um, in, in a lot of ways. So we had some pretty amazing nominations um mm-hmm. they include all truly incredible settings that mm-hmm. everyone should own if they don't already yep. uh first up another foundry launch inquisition by mm-hmm. guillaume tardif you know we've had guillaume on the show to talk about it truly fantastic setting mm-hmm. um next up salvage uh by jared matthew um which we also have also had jared on the show to talk about salvage and, and what a we, we've been gaga over that setting but everyone, <laughs> just, but everyone has the next two Additional Foundry release titles um, mm-hmm. and 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 totally worthy of their nomination. Truly incredible settings. Um, the first is Something Strange by Scott Zumwalt. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Starcana, of course, by Studio Four Hundred Four Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, a, a a a relatively recent addition, but completely worthy of the nomination. One of mm-hmm. the most enjoyable settings I read this year on the Foundry. That mm-hmm. would be Sunfall from Anastasia Steele. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, all incredible. And the votes are in our runner-up. Something Strange from Scott Zumwalt. Mm. This amazing setting. I still reference regularly. Um, I'll probably always will. It brought dark, modern horror into our tables in very creative and well-written, 
well-tested and well-designed ways. It remains one of the best loved and most referenced releases on the Foundry to date. Um, and it's is an Electrum bestseller on Drive-Thru <laughs> RPG. So well-deserved, Scott. Again, congratulations. Absolutely. He takes uh, a lot of effort to uh, to promote that product and it's fantastic. And we've mentioned it quite a number of times on the yeah. show uh, to direct people when they want to do especially things in the in the horror realm. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, well done, Scott. Congratulations. Very well done. Mm. But our first place winner is Salvage from Jared. <laughs> Salvage, I, I like, I, I think I, t- I said before, like, when I, like, you ever read something that when you read it, it makes you want to quit writing? Like, <laughs> Yes. Like you just get you just get pissed <laughs> off. Real. It's like month. Who is that? Like God. God uh, that 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 was salvage. It blew all of us away with its originality, its creativity, its excellent writing. It hit mm. silver within a week of its release, and is now sitting with an Electrum medal on Drive Through RPG. Yep. Yep. So we would like to welcome to the show, back on the show, I guess, Jared. <laughs> congratulations on your first place win, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm actually like really geeked out about this. <laughs> we thought you might be. Uh, hey, what a couple dozen nerds thought you did good, man. Congratulations. Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, you put you put so much of yourself into a project like this, you know, your free time, your nights, your weekends, and it yeah. you know, it just feels really awesome to be recognized by the community. It's been really awesome to see the response from everybody so thank you so much to each and every person who purchased a copy and you know those who played it with their friends or told other people about it um Mm. i it just feels really awesome so Mm. um and i definitely couldn't have created it without all of my friends who helped me play test it um and the artists, Alwyn Talbot and Daniel Johnson. Um, mm. And of course, the amazing editing of Sam Gregor Stewart. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and thanks to you guys, by the way, for doing this awesome idea of putting these awards together and everything you do for the community. It's very great. Oh, thank you. But congratulations. Oh, it's like so well deserved. Um, yeah, thank you know, you. If, if this product did nothing else um, for, for me anyway, it was to make sure that. Um, my products are just as like any stuff that I do for the for uh, for the forge. I make sure that it's top quality, toply edited. <laughs> it just raised my game severely. So, uh, oh, so yeah, yeah. thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was my main goal was just to make it look as professional as possible. Yeah, um, with everything from story to to layout and everything in between. So well, you did that. <laughs> well, you, 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 you done you done good, Seabass. Um, Thanks. You, you, Thanks. you kicked its ass. So <laughs> it took me can, two years. Remember, we talked about that. Oh yes, we did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, um, but but very well done. Mm-hmm. Thank well you. Done. So, Jared, also, I'd ask, would you would you mind sticking around for a while? Will we go through the rest of the awards and then we can uh, uh, have a good conversation? Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> we'll know that you just don't care. Yeah, sounds good. I'll be here. I'll be here. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. And now, uh, thanks again, uh, Jared, and congratulations. And now for our next award is the best general supplement. Now, this, as we mentioned before, was a monstrous category. We had a total of 21 general supplements nominated this year. So many that, uh, and I'm really sorry, we're not going to go into detail all of them uh, on the show, uh, but uh, listeners can head to theforgegenesis.com for the full list. 
so that's genesis, forgegenesis.com. Now, uh, the nominees included equipment guides, location gazetteers, graphic design and layout tools, GM and player aids and guides, and handbooks for new mechanical options for all types of Genesis games. And it was monstrous. And uh, we had votes for pretty much most of them in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and uh, But first up, so let's announce our runner-up. It's the Skills Guide, Skills Supplement for Genesis from the person who I can never pronounce their name correctly. <laughs> Guillaume, <laughs> um, Guillaume Tadif. Guillaume Tadif. The amazing uh, Guillaume. <laughs> so, and he always jibes me about that from uh, from the time that we had that interview. But anyway, <laughs> so congratulations, Guillaume. Uh, this supplement speaks for itself with its gold medal status for both new and experienced players and GMs Guillaume managed to simply expand and truly grow the understanding of core skills in Genesis, providing a resource any player or GM should have. It's a fantastic supplement. If you haven't gone and, and, and purchased it yet, please go and do that. It's amazing, um, and it uh, will save you and uh, your players a lot of time and effort. So well done, Guillaume. I have to say, before you move on, Huli, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't normally do this, but it was so close. Yes, it was. <laughs> I do want to, you know, we, 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 we set our rules. We said we were only going to do a runner up in the first place. And, mm-hmm. and from, from point spread, uh, we, we did actually have a point based tie right. for this, this runner up. Mm-hmm. And as we, we also said in our initial rules that ties would be broken by the number of first place votes. Um, yep. Skills Guide won won that tie by one plus first place vote. <laughs> I do think it's important to call out, I guess, an honorable mention mm. uh, for another amazing product that was so close in the running um, that I think has done as much as the Skills Guide mm-hmm. um, for the Genesis community, um, and that would be uh, Zenithrix's Guide to Magic, uh, mm. a beginner's guide to Gen- Genesis Magic from Scott Zumwalt, yes. um, who's already taken home two runners up awards to- tonight. Tonight. <laughs> Um, but I, but Scott, I, I really do want to call that out, and and as well as let the rest of the community know just how close that runner-up race was, mm. um, and that you know Zenithrix's guide is something that you should have. Mm. I mean, if you if, if it, it needs to sit right there next to Skills Guide, yep. um, truly, yeah. truly amazing supplement. Yeah, really, really handy if you've got new players involved. Uh, because it uh, allows them to, especially people who have come from that D and D sort of mindset, um, it's a nice sort of bridging gap between the the D and D way of thinking and the Genesis way of thinking. So, uh, yeah. really, really well done. Yes. Um, now, on to our first place winner, which is Ready Fight. Or am I supposed to say Ready Fight? Ready, fight, <laughs> yeah. And an combat supplement for Genesis from friend of the show Keith Ryan Keppel and his studio High Metric Games. Ready Fight was one of the launch titles for the Foundry and the very first to hit gold medal on the uh, the drive through RPG. The innovative uh, new mechanics it brought forth and have been lauded as a major addition to the game well-designed and well-tested. Furthermore, it has a uh, it's set a template uh, for, for many other supplements, which they should be following and have been following. <laughs> it's nothing short of amazing. 
Uh, we'd like to welcome to the show the winner of the uh, this category, which is Keith Ryan Cavill. Congratulations on your first place win, brother. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much. I'm so glad that uh, this idea I gave you like a little over a year ago turned out to ultimately be this self-serving. Yeah. I couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't have planned it any better myself. So I'm thrilled that my evil plans all ended up working. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, only kind of, I guess. But uh, uh, thank you, honestly, genuinely so much for uh, uh, for to everyone who you know voted for it and you guys for putting the show on. Uh, I actually lost my dad not long before uh, Tim Huckleberry invited me onto that early group to do that uh-huh. initial wave of Foundry products. Yeah. And a lot of what Ready Fight is really came from um, – all the years, me and my dad, one of the things that we just did together all the time was punch each other in the face. I'm kidding. That's not true. Uh, we watched a lot of <laughs> UFC and MMA fights together, uh, and we loved it as a sport. Uh, we would go to the live events all the time together. So I know he uh, really would have gotten a kick out of just, uh, uh, hey, puns, out of uh, uh, seeing <laughs> seeing this this product like exist and do well and that other people like it. So, um, you know, really, I, I made the book in a lot of ways. Uh, for him and dealing with that loss at that time in my life. But I didn't make the book alone. Uh, I have a lot of people to thank. Uh, you guys might have to play me off with music. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but uh, uh, Sean Vrabel, my artist, uh, great buddy of mine for many, many years. He did all the original art for Ready Fight, which I love. He's uh, His art is just so, uh, it's like it's moving. It's almost like it's animated. There's just so much energy in it, and I love it. Uh, and also my good uh, dear buddy, Ryan Brooks, who Chris knows well. Uh, and both of those guys, uh, Ryan did my layout and both of them together. I've been making nerdy stuff with them going back to like early 2005 with Fandom Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both from there. So I'm so glad that two dudes who are basically my brothers, like I got to uh, make something like this with them and then it gets recognized. So that's awesome. And then uh, also Alex Ross and Don Rusnak, who did uh, uh, playtest coordination and general assistance and marketing and stuff like that. All of my amazing playtesters that are credited in the book that made the book so much better than what it, it originally was. Uh, the fans who picked it up, uh, I'm blown away by how well it's sold. And especially all those fans who uh, took the time to leave a review. Uh, if, if I can get everybody to do one thing after listening to this, it would be uh, go find a Foundry product that you like and leave a review about the things you like. Yes, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. if, if everybody could do that, I think the world would be a better place. And of course, Chris and Huli and The Forge and a few other podcasts that invited me to come on and use their platform to, you know, promote the book and talk about Ready Fight. So th- thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Most Congratulations. Welcome. Thank you for all you've done and continue to do for this amazing game. Mm. Wonderful. Okay. It's time to get to our last general award, and that is Best Layout and Design. We had a total of 11 products nominated this year for their exceptional layout and design. Mm -hmm. Um, Exciting and enjoyable to read through, easy to follow, and well-organized. And again, with so many nominees, we're not going to detail all of them right now, but you guys can head to ForgeGenesis.com for the full list of all 11 nominees. Mm -hmm. But those nominees included general varied supplements and settings um, Mm -hmm. of really all stripes. And our runner-up... was Ready Fight, an unarmed combat supplement for Genesis from Keith Ryan Capel and High Metric Games. You can believe it. 
Um, <laughs> but dude, no, seriously, it had this crisp and kind of easy to understand layout, is, which is honestly very essential to especially supplements that focus on new mechanics. Um, so if, if, if Ryan was responsible for layout, man, I, I think you, you owe him a cookie. All, all um, Ryan and Sean. All, all credit goes to Ryan and Sean. Well, they dissuaded me of so many bad ideas. So, <laughs> so well, well, there, there you go. I mean, because the bottom line is that you know, especially as an early release, Ready Fight kind of set this early bar for folks to follow in terms of layout and this this sort of template that you've also expanded on in future micro supplements, uh, which we've seen come out for for Ready Fight. Hmm. So, congrats, sir! Congrats on your runner up. Thanks. That's unexpected and amazing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our first place winner. I don't think anyone was even shocked by this. And, and honestly, Jared, you shouldn't have been shocked either. You shouldn't be shocked. Our first place winner is Salvage. Yes. Um, perhaps most the most universally recognized, stunning publication uh, to you know in terms of layout, design, art uh, to come out uh, this year in terms of its 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 everything i mean salvage <laughs> handedly took the first place award um and that was very well deserved so jaron congratulations on that first place win for design uh, thank you i'm grinning so big i can barely even talk right now i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much yeah i owe a lot of it to my artists uh, like i mentioned alwyn talbot and daniel johnson the art was just was so phenomenal that they gave me um, mm-hmm. So that was a really great starting point. And I have a lot of fun tinkering around with this stuff. So like, I just will do things like design the background of a page, like just sitting watching TV. I'll be ske- like doing little textures and stuff like that. I'm a total nerd when it comes to design <laughs> and layout. So um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. It was Absolutely. a fantastic product. Fantastic. And you've certainly sent the, you know, you've created the benchmark. Definitely. For uh, for layout uh, and Thank design you. for uh, for everybody that uh, that comes after it, and I think that you know the people are picking up their game because of products uh, like Salvage. Uh, but uh, yeah, well done, congratulations, uh, well deserved. Though I hope I can continue to meet my own level. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I shot myself in the foot with that being my first release. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. Not That's just yourself. You may have shot everyone. Yeah. It's, it's a high watermark that everybody's like, me, where do I get? Where do I? Oh, yeah. Forget me. Where do Where do I find, you know, painters that'll work for less than a thousand dollars an image? Yeah. yeah. It was It was tough. I, I, I decided I was just going to um, not worry about making money on this product. So I think I've broken even. At this oh point. wow! Really? Yeah. Well done. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations! That's yeah. amazing. That's Thank amazing you. to me. Thank That's you. A, That's a hurdle in itself. Well, yeah. your product looks like literally looks like a million dollars. So it's yeah. it's <laughs> super impressive to me. Thank you. That, yeah, yeah. That, I, 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 I literally that. I saw it when it came out at the time. I was like, did did FFG publish this? Like that's the <laughs> that was the art quality we're talking. I was like, good no, lord. No, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I've I've tried to talk Sam into publishing it, but. He hasn't. He hasn't bitten on that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering it's already out on the foundry, I don't yeah, think. Fair. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, FFG has issued reprints before. If you look at L5R Fourth Edition, there's precedent. Mm. But I would hold my breath. <laughs> no, don't, don't worry about it. I am not. I am not. But yeah, this was. I made that mistake. Remember, Huli, you and I talked about this. I mm. um, I wrote the whole thing in layout. 
because that was how it inspired me to do it. So, like, oh my god, yeah, that became a problem. (laughs) That became a big problem (laughs) later. Um, But it just it was what because seeing it in the layout really got me excited to keep going and pressing forward and really getting it done. Hmm. So the whole thing, I wrote it two columns, all the little graphic, all of it. (laughs) It was Mm -hmm. it was uh, an interesting process. That's Um, right. He's Queasy, just yeah, that. he's basically saying I did all this with one hand tied behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, did, to be fair, when we had him on the show, it did take two years for the setting. So, yeah. right, fair, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, some yeah, things aren't worth know. waiting for, you know. Yeah, but now <laughs> we know why. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we know why. So, very, very cool. I think Thanks, your timing guys. was very good to have Sam on board as the editor too. Oh, it was perfect um, timing. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was unfortunate timing for Sam, but yeah, uh, yeah you wouldn't. I don't think you'd get him now. <laughs> nope, I've already asked. Yeah, nope. He's a, he's a busy man. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It was. I was really fortunate to have his input for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very good. Well done. And Keith, do you want to stick around um, for a little bit? No, I'm very busy. Oh, of course, I'll stick around, guys. Of course, I'll stick around. All right. But now we come to our final award the best in show, as it were. Um, and let me tell you, this one again wasn't easy. Um, <laughs> Uh, the decision to have Foundry Riders be the voters for this special award proved tough, primarily because while many of the Foundry authors are friends of the show and even more are members of the amazing Genesis RPG community, others proved somewhat difficult to contact. To say uh, the least. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, with the help of, uh, of this wonderful community that we're a part of, we were able to corral a majority of the Foundry Riders to vote for this award. And we were very, very happy that they did so. And thank you to all of the writers for all of the things that you've done for the Foundry and for the great content that exists out there for the community to use and to spread the word of the Genesis role-playing game. But without further ado, product of the year. Now, as a reminder, every product released from July 31st to July 31st of the following year was eligible for a vote. And while we are only awarding a single award in this category, writers voted for a first place and runner-up for point accumulation and were not allowed to vote for their own works, for obvious reasons. So our product of the year is Ready Fight, an unarmed combat supplement for Genesis from Keith Ryan Cavill and Hymetric Games. There's not much more we can say here that we haven't already said or that Keith hasn't already said, but I'm sure he'll come up with something else. But this product is well-deserved as the product of the year. Keith, congratulations, my good friend. Congratulations, man. Congrats. I'm blown away, guys. I I already (laughs) thanked everybody, but, like, thanks them all again. Um, It's so awesome to be uh, uh, recognized by both uh, the fans of The Forge, uh, who represent a lot of, you know, the players, but also, like, my fellow content producers – uh, that that's awesome. Uh, it means I must have uh, done something okay in that book to <laughs> to be uh, uh, enjoyed by both of them. So that that's awesome. Hmm. 
and and you know there's a lot of other great products in the foundry that would be equally uh deserving a lot of our runner-ups immediately come to mind uh from tonight uh and you know like big shout out to uh uh the the og content producers for genesis i guess uh the 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 four uh our mount rushmore as it were of uh jay little sam gregor stewart like tim huckleberry and uh phil uh Mm. you know who each sort of uh own some measure of uh credit for for the foundry even being a thing or genesis Mm. being a thing so so thanks to them to even uh uh, put us in a position to do this and Mm. for me to be recognized this way it's it's awesome awesome (laughs) well congratulations man it was um it was it was another very close race um and we had said for this product, especially considering that it was a, a, a peer award, um, we were only going to do one. We weren't going to do a runner-up. But I, I would like to take the opportunity to call out some other honorable mentions, um, mm-hmm. some other products that also scored very high um, from the fellow writers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very specifically, I'd like to call out Salvage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared, um, you, you got a lot of recognition from your peers on this. Yay! Awesome. Um, <laughs> I'd like to call out Inquisition uh, from Guillaume Tardif. Got mm. a, a a fairly high point total as well mm-hmm. um, uh, from from your writing peers, as did something strange from Scott Zumwalt, uh, as well as Zenithrix's Guide to Magic as well. Um, also, Starcana from Studio Four or Four Games uh, was oh, also yeah. very, was also very high in the running. Mm. Um, so the you know it was it was a, it was actually when we get down to the raw numbers, it was a very tight race for this. Uh, so so congratulations, Keith. Um, and to everyone and to all of our winners, both first place and runners up, um, you will be receiving from the forge podcast, a, a digital award, um, that a, that is coincidentally, um, almost uh, like a little uh, plaque or sticker that you would have the ability to place on your foundry product, uh, on the cover page. Should you so desire? Mm-hmm. Additionally, uh, we are pleased to announce some special swag. We do have some specialty awards, uh, mm-hmm. that we are, we have produced, um, in fact, uh, the, the, they should be at my house. Uh, we're, we're recording this on the 24th. They should be at my house uh, either tomorrow or just after the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. <laughs> um, at which point we will be sending them out to your varied addresses. Mm. Um, and we, uh, we, we greatly do enjoy you. Hope those to have some nice desk swag uh, to remind you of this very first year of uh, the, the show awards uh, for the forge podcast um congratulations that's amazing thank you yeah that's awesome thank you that is really cool thank you guys (laughs) so for the first place winners who are here with us tonight and for our runners up uh who are obviously not here with us tonight congratulations all congratulations to everyone who submitted Mm. products uh this year it was truly was great but i want to talk about this guys let's (laughs) let's open up the floor i mean i mean shish boom rah and yay 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 this is all cool and and awesome and we've given a lot of much deserved love to a lot of really good products uh in this segment but talk to me about your own experiences writing for not just this product, but for the overall foundry in general. I mean, what are the memories that have stuck with you? What are you working on that you may want to share with us for those of us who are eagerly anticipating new things to come? I mean, yeah. What, what are some of your best memories, you know, coming out of the past year and what's coming next? Like right away, I will never forget, uh, Darren, I... You were there, I believe, uh, that that night at Gen Con when they announced the Foundry and launched all the products back yeah. Gen Con 2019 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like everybody just had their phones out and was just hitting refresh 
on their product page to see like how it was doing, what was going on. It was just, uh, uh, I mean, we were also, what were we at? Like the Diana Jones awards or something. We were at some sort of bar doing something with uh Huck and, uh, Scott Z was there and, you know, just a lot of that crew that produced stuff Sterling for the initial wave was all sort of present. And it was, uh, it was a cool moment to sort of like acknowledge that, you know, this was a thing that was launching now and, you know, who knew what it, what it might grow into be and, and all of that. Yeah. It was surreal. I mean, it was surreal because I remember when I got tapped for, um, by Sam, uh, to put something into the foundry, I was asked to go to lunch with, in fact, Keith, you were there and a bunch of other people who were the first foundry inputs were there. And I just was thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> Why <laughs> am was I that? in this room? That's when we were all at... Uh, was uh, that Gamer Nation Con? Gamer Nation Con. Oh, at, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I remember thinking, oh, gosh, I have how many months to finish this thing? <laughs> uh, and <laughs> talk about lighting a fire. So I think for me, it was, it was almost surreal. I mean, Keith... Keith has produced quite a bit of content. Um, and when I realized that this was going out to the world at large and that my name was going to be on it, uh, a shiver of terror and excitement <laughs> um, went down my spine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, with Keith, I remember us being in that awards room and everybody refreshing their phones and just watching the numbers climb and how excited yeah. everybody was um, to do that. And and then watching the content flow in after. Right. I and mean, it wasn't just like these 10 initial wave and then that's the end, but like stuff started popping up real quick. Yeah. It was, it was inspiring just to see so many people, you know, ready to release some of their own work and their own content. And so, and it's been beautiful just to kind of see all the different things people have produced. So, and, and Darren, while I definitely have, uh, you know, written my fair share of books for at that time, FFG, uh, I hadn't exactly produced hundred page books all on my own where I'm writing. I'm in charge of like final say on layout, sourcing art, doing all that sort of stuff. It was an intense three months of building ready fight, you know, in a very truncated timetable and to get it tested and to, you know, get it out and all that. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't think I've ever been that busy before. Ever. Yeah. I recall, I recall a couple of conversations we had about like, oh gosh, I really got to get this done and right. deadlines. Yeah. It's probably the most, uh, for you're usually pretty cool cucumber. So I, it was the most frazzled I've ever seen you. So yeah, there was a lot to get done and, and really like, I didn't have to hit the deadline, right? Like Jared has a different experience with this. Cause he was able to spend I don't know, use a time machine and spend years before the foundry was even announced <laughs> prepping That's and preparing his product somehow. He's yes, just time so it would be ready just on the right, you know, <laughs> at the right time. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I only had the, the three months and a hundred pages is a lot for one person to sort of mm. tackle in that truncated time period. But it was intense, man. I was very happy when it was done and I got it out. I don't even think we had all the art. We released it and we're like, yeah. Some of the art's going to get replaced in a couple months, but that's yeah. okay. We didn't sleep much, did we? I often don't around deadline time. <laughs> no, you don't, Keith. Not at all. <laughs> sleep is optional. <laughs> no. If only it were optional. Sleep's not an option. Not really no, that's, on the that's table. Yes, yes, yes. That last week of a job is Huli also knows well. Mm-hmm. Like, well why, why are you sleeping, guy? You got work to do. You got to okay, get a deadline okay, yeah. to it. There was a point in my life where there is a 
there is a not even D list. He's like E or F list Marvel superhero named Wonder Man. Sure, Have you heard of this Simon? Right? Yeah, Simon. Okay, and Simon's power is that he has unlimited energy. He never <laughs> he, he never gets tired. That's his thing. That's he never great. gets tired. Mm. He he never he never has to you know and they spin it into you know that means he can and he's like a, a peak athlete but that means that you know you never reach that point of muscle fatigue right so he can right. he can he can do that peak thing nonstop but I remember like at points in my life I was like if I could have any superpower it would be Wonder Man's just so I didn't have to sleep sure but d- did Wonder Man have any children though uh, no <laughs> he lost out on his girlfriend to the Vision he lost out to a robot. <laughs> Almost played by Nathan Fillion briefly in uh, some cameos in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Oh, really? A uh, bit of trivia there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. So, Jared, you, yeah. you've had, you know, unlike these two yahoos, you know, um, <laughs> you, you submitted your foundry product like a normal human being. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. I mean, and it, it hasn't been that long, right? I mean, because you you released this. When did you release this? Um, uh, I think it was May. Yeah. Um, so it's it's only been you know six seven months um, for you. Um, have there been any any moments that just like just made you just you know in, in, during that time period that just made you happy or giddy? Any any stories regarding salvage? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a couple things. The first the first thing that comes to mind is that like so I when I say I worked on it for two years, I, it, it was a long process of like I I wrote it and then my friends and I played it forever, and this was before the Foundry, but you know after the Genesis Core rulebook had been released, I just made this kind of for fun on the side as a setting to play with my friends, um, and I had uploaded it and kind of shared it with some people, and that was cool, but I never really tracked how many people were looking at it or anything like that. So once it was actually, once the foundry came out and once it was actually like, I could put it up there and actually watch the numbers. I was a total nerd. I would refresh that every, <laughs> every day. I'd be like, check how many, how many more have I sold? It was sure. so like, especially yeah. that first few weeks, just refreshing constantly, like <laughs> to see how many copies were sold and, um, and I think that's like kind of the the biggest memory I have is just that <laughs> just refresh, refresh, refresh. Totally, um, that's the thing. I mean, I yeah. remember me and Scott when it was clear that uh, it was probably either going to be Ready Fight or Zinthrix that uh, uh, hit gold first. Oh yeah, uh, me and Scott would just like message every other you know few hours, <laughs> be like, "Where you at? Where you at? How close are you?" <laughs> I moved That's another awesome. one. Did you move another one? Yeah. So like, you know, wow. playful and everything. But uh, I was exactly the opposite. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go crazy if I keep looking at this thing. We did go crazy. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's and, yeah. and mine is a little bit like Jared. Uh, Jared, um, Hadra Shard was originally a 5e uh, adventure. Gotcha. Uh, so it had been, the actual storyline had been play tested numerous times, both for 5e and for, uh, Genesis. Um, so yeah, I understand you, you make something that's a labor of love and you put it out there and everybody's like, okay, we need more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. And that, I mean, that's been actually another really cool part of it. A really cool memory as you, as you were saying, like 
having people actually asking for more, mm. um, that's really touching. Like that's actually more so than, than them buying it, them actually buying it, reading it, and then asking for more that that's a really good feeling. Do you guys yeah, get, uh, sure. do you guys get a lot of uh, like fan mail for one of a better term that, that talks about um, what some of the things you might, you know, requesting certain things to be done next with your particular product? I got a number of, or I have received a number of requests for an adventure set in salvage. Right. Um, I think that's the main thing I've received probably, you know, four or five requests for an adventure. Um, Yeah. What about you, Keith? No, you'd be surprised. Uh, I hear almost nothing back. It's like a void out there. Uh, But uh, it's always weird to me because like, whether it's for the foundry or, or for, you know, whoever else, I tend to write these things like in my house, in my pajamas all by myself. And then like, I forget about them cause they, they get published or they go away uh, for like a year before they get published. And then when yep. they're finally out there and anything does come back to me, like, Oh, I like this. Or, you know, you stumble across two people you don't know talking about it on a forum or something like that. Mm-hmm. It feels weird because, uh, it almost feels like an invasion of privacy because I'm like, dude, like they were watching me in my shorts writing it or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how do you even know about that? But uh, uh, like, obviously, I work hard to promote my stuff, but it, it's a uh, it's a weird uh, feeling anytime uh, there's sort of like this reminder that like, yeah, when you hit send, it eventually goes somewhere and like people occasionally read it. Well, I forgot. I forgot to tell you, man. Last time I was up in Chicago and we hung out, I did. I did install a hidden mm. webcam mm. where people could watch you in your Broadcasting shorts to the world. Yeah, but that uh, explains your internet lag right there. That, you know what? <laughs> could be the problem. Keats Gaming, get the cam up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. Definitely makes yeah. sense. I've got, dude. I've, I've got an OnlyFans account for you that you don't know about. <laughs> oh, that man. you're profiting off me. I'm being exploited. <laughs> I'm being repressed. Exploited, I mean. Exploited labor. And, you know, not just the writing anymore. Womp, womp. (laughs) Womp, womp. I want to say something. Um, (laughs) But anyway, moving along. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah. What what are you guys, Jared, what are you working on next? What's the Mm. next thing? Uh, So I'm actually working on uh, two things kind of simultaneously because I don't want to spend another two years till my next release. Okay. and so the first one is a magic rule supplement inspired by by voodoo. Um, mm. And so that's called Les Mystères, um, Spirit Magic and Blood Magic. Um, and cool. I'm working with this awesome artist, Aaliyah July is her name. Um, she's making some really beautiful, it's very different. Um, it's kind of a different style for me, but um, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, and I'm working with a new editor. Mm. Um who a few problems there in that yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> a new editor who you all may be familiar with <laughs> uh Mr. Hooley himself oh, so nice very mm. excited about that um and then the other thing i'm working on is uh a follow up to salvage um which i'm calling salvage savage sands that's a working title it's a little tongue twister we'll see if that stays um <laughs> But it's a deeper look at the world outside the safety of the human colony. And it's like a lot of the stuff I've seen people um, either playing or talking about has been 
when they get in a truck and they head out and they go scavenge uh, in the dustlands. And so this new supplement is going to be focused entirely on that idea of players who want to form up a hauler crew and go out and scavenge in the wreckage. Um, Fun. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that. Um, And I'm going to try really hard to work in a, uh, a bunch of elements of intertwining plot hooks, escalations, climaxes, so that the people who are asking for an adventure also get that. <laughs> nice. So that's a challenge. So you're like weaving like a random encounter table and story like together somehow. Almost. Yeah, with with all because it's focused on you know basically the dustlands, all of the area out outside. Each area I introduce and explain, I then include a number of plot elements. Um, so it's almost like a choose your own adventure book. <laughs> yeah, that's clever. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's a good idea. It's like a nice. hybrid location book slash adventure book. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I was inspired by that deck of cards that came out for, um, oh, of course, I'm going to blank right now. Um, <laughs> you guys can help me. Keyforge? Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> the, that deck of cards that came out for Keyforge. Um, oh, I was like, where is this going? But okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was inspired by the deck of cards that came out for Keyforge that basically had, you know, locations and plot hooks all kind of intertwined. Um, sure. So I thought I would try to use something like that. But yeah, this is what I'm working on. That's you awesome. forgot, you, you know, you forgot to mention a project that you've already finished, at least from your perspective, it's just waiting on my dumb ass to finish. Very fair. Well, I thought that that was your place to talk about that. Yeah, that's, that that's, that's fair enough. No, I was, I was so impressed with your, your story building on salvage that I retained you to God, what did you do for me? 10,000 words? Yeah. 10,000 words. Yep. Um, uh, I, I did an alpha version, uh, before the foundry existed, just released free, um, of a cosmic superhero setting called Aegis. Um, which is very heavily inspired by Green Lantern. Ooh, that's right. Mm. And um, the the initial after the initial release and all the playtesting that happened after that, the the rules have been rather heavily refined. Um, and but one of the things I seriously lacked um, was some comprehensive world building in this this cosmic world. And uh, Jared was kind enough to contribute about ten thousand words to that. So yeah. <laughs> that was. That was actually yeah. a lot of that was a lot of fun because it was like the first time I had like expectations and deadlines and like you know it's it's way different than working for yourself so it was a t- mm. it was actually a ton of fun um to to experience writing in that format oh you did a good job uh, yeah, you did a good you job like produce on demand and everything right it's a little different yeah, yeah and it was I I you know it. I guess I was a little afraid that I wouldn't be able to perform on demand, you know? Sure. So. <laughs> a little performance anxiety. Yeah. It I works actually, out. Yeah. I find out that, you know, when there's a deadline, I'm actually pushed harder. So right. totally. I'm exactly the opposite. If I'm left to my own devices, it'll. It can languish. Yeah. You yeah. Gotta yeah. yeah. When that's I'm my own boss, exactly. I know my deadline's bull****. So I, I don't <laughs> feel any pressure. To like wow. perform, to do it and get it done on time, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like if Sam's the one holding the gun to my head saying you need this done by this day, then like right. I get it done because Sam's terrifying. But uh, <laughs> uh but if it's just me, like I know me, I don't care if it's late. So it's just there's no there's yeah. not enough pressure. Yeah. That's, That's why fair. Ready Fight got done so fast, because it was like the launch day is this day and it goes with or without you. So you could either <laughs> be on board or not. 
Like yep, since yeah. then, it's be like like I'm working on a, a vehicle book that sort of follows the same format of uh, Ready Fight, but it's for the the driving skill only. Actually, it's not even not even the piloting skill, just driving. Uh, there was enough there where I was like, I'm at a hundred pages, but uh, uh, and it's just been like, yeah, I can work on it, or I can just watch TV for a while. So it's been <laughs> it's been slow going. I'm not going to lie, but That's it's because there's there's no like hard deadline there for me. Yeah, that's interesting. With with this uh, this new salvage uh, supplement, I'm re- working on the the hauler crew and the trucks is a very big part of it. So I've been trying to think of some new driving mechanics. Maybe we should just put the two together. Just a little smash, <laughs> a little smash up. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe we should talk about that at a different time. Because yeah. <laughs> you know the way Ready Fight works, there's like uh, four or five settings that are sort of crammed in there, and uh, uh, that I could think that of one that might work with uh, the world of salvage. So maybe we should talk about that at a different time. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, yeah, you know it's it's. Uh, so you 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 heard you heard it here first. Keith and Jared working on a new yeah. product together. It's going to oh be. Boy. Oh boy! It's going to be. The whole union has started. Yeah. And, and and also, what you guys missed is in the chat. Darren's going to do all the adventure seeds for for that. Right, right. And that. Oh, did I did I misinterpret that? I'm, I'm, isn't isn't that what AFK means? I'm not sure. No. Uh, no. no. Adventure. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, ad- <laughs> adventure for Keith. I'm assuming that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it all is. It's all for Keith. Hey, it's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I also have a, a, a factions product coming out. I'm trying to experiment with some smaller things, things that I could write in like three or four days, and then it can languish in uh, playtesting <laughs> heck uh, and, and layout development, you know, purgatory for a while. So, like, I've had one and a half of these faction documents sort of done. And that'll be interesting. It's basically just a, a, a talent product, but it's talents that are sort of associated with factions. I'd be curious to see what people think of that. So I have that coming out mm-hmm. soon. Maybe a second one that I worked on with Chris Hunt coming out soon. Mm. Uh, and then the, the vehicle, which I think we're calling Just Drive, uh, the vehicle book. Uh, and I think Ooh. that's everything Foundry-related that's sort of on my radar for the moment. Mm. Have to say, yeah, having been cool. involved a little bit with the playtest of that, Keith, it's brilliant. So, it's getting well, there, right? Like, yeah. there's we went really hard on playtesting for Just mm. Drive. Yeah, uh, we're doing like five phases of testing so that mm-hmm. it's more digestible chunks. What yeah. I found was that Ready Fight was so big that people gave me very detailed feedback on the first thirty or forty pages. <laughs> By the end of the book, there's just nobody's got the strength left to add comments. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're burnt out or they just didn't have enough time to to wade through the whole freaking thing. So, uh, you know, it, I felt like this would be a better way to do it in little more bite sized chunks for for people. And yes, Huli is one of my testers, which is wonderful. Nice. Yeah, I need to start it. I start need to start using Huli as a guinea pig again. Sure. <laughs> he's a great he's a great guinea pig. You can poke him, prod him, stick him. You can put mas- you can put mascara all over him. He doesn't care. Um, yeah, that sounds like a voice of experience there. <laughs> you know, well, uh, Gamer Nation Con does get a little crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, OnlyFans accounts is Chris Witt running. Is <laughs> yeah, right. You have a separate OnlyFans account just for Huli's mascara. Um, I wish it was doing better, but it's not. Well, um, he, he, lets me, he, lets me, he lets me stay in his house, so I've got to pay somehow. 
Sure. Uh, yeah, it's, that's sure. that's really what it comes down to. Um, speaking of playtesting, uh, and nothing y'all are working on. Uh, <laughs> um, I I just I'm going to geek out about. Uh, st- speaking of Studio 404 and Starcana mm-hmm. um, that we were mentioning earlier, have you seen the latest thing that they're this? They just they've been teasing. I was on that test team. Yeah. Unfortunately, like I didn't get a chance to put a whole big table together and do a proper test, but I definitely gave it a read and gave a lot of yeah. early feedback. And it I, looks that, awesome. that, mm-hmm. dude, yeah. And that's Mechasis. So they're doing, right. they're doing a, they're doing a Mecha supplement. Yeah. It um, looks, it cool. looks really good. And, you know, as a OG Battletech gamer <laughs> and, you know, somebody who was raised on Robotech and Gundam, I mean, I'm just looking at that just, ring in my hands during playtesting going oh my gosh yeah it looks really really good i can't wait for the final product and to see what they do yep that's awesome i I mean phil and brett and all those guys are brilliant and uh they're their own little like idea incubator over there so yeah it's a think tank of of brilliant people so yeah it's (laughs) good stuff interesting interesting I actually did a little bit of, I didn't, wasn't completely idle this year. I did some freelance work, uh, as Keith knows. And then I did some fan made freelance work for, um, uh, Stefan Dragonspawn, um, for, uh, he put out a fan made, um, dragon star, uh, adventure. So awesome. I, I did a couple of, I, I did some, uh, I did an NPC or two. So yeah, uh, that's really cool. That's some good stuff. So. Nice. Okay, so I have a I have a dis- I have a discussion driving question. Hold on, I forgot about a whole other product I have that's in layout. Oh my god, right. I have the AWA uh, Terranoth adversary collection that's sitting in uh, layout as we speak. All I oh. run this online oh. writing school, uh, which Huli and, and Darren both uh, took part in, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, all my students who have graduated were invited to uh, contribute some adversaries to. Uh, to the world of Terranoth, and we sort of built this adversary slash equipment uh, collection, and uh, that is excellent. And I am editing it, and uh, all my students obviously wrote it, as well as Maggie, my uh, teacher, which oh, her Maggie her Maggie. entry was excellent. So uh, uh, yeah, that should be out in uh, a relatively short order as well. Hopefully, in the next. Uh, two months or so here. Do you see how I led, I led you to that, Keith? Yeah, that was clever. That was slick. I can't <laughs> believe it slipped my mind. It's because factions is so close right now, and there's two of them, but the first one is almost there. So it's like that's the one taking up because I was just yelling at Ryan about it yesterday, <laughs> being a tyrant. But uh, uh, and he was right. But it doesn't matter. Like the Terranoth one is going to be excellent. I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah, some great content. So this has been a, a very cool discussion. I do have, maybe to kind of wrap things up, I have, a, I have a discussion driving question for you all. It's one that's been brewing in my head, and I think our listeners might enjoy. If you could write for a Genesis supplement of any kind, adventure, setting, guide, doesn't matter. If you could write for a Genesis supplement for a, just pretend, licensed intellectual property that has not already been developed or is in development, that's been announced that we know of. What would your dream intellectual property be? Silverhawks. Silverhawks. I want to do Silverhawks. It feels like uh, investigate sort of. And I've been wanting to do a Silverhawks game for like a billion years. I even spent a couple days like tracking down where the rights were and all that a while back. But uh, uh, yeah, I would want to do Silverhawks. That would be my freaking jam. What is Silverhawks? Did I? Are you? 
Did they not get that in Australia in the 80s? I have no it idea a, what's It was up. an 80s cartoon mm-hmm. done by the same folks that did Thundercats and... Uh, Oh. Are, you are familiar with Thundercats, I'm assuming. Yes, I am familiar with Thundercats, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, just, just Google, yeah. just Google, go to YouTube and search Silverhawks intro. Right. Okay. Yeah, and, and you'll you'll get the whole show just from that. Just right. just from that, yeah. There's it, not much more to it than that. <laughs> I, I would say it's Thundercats in space, except it's already Thundercats. Thundercats is already kind of in space, sort of. Right. But, right. but not really. But yeah, it's it's like cosmic Thundercats, where except instead of being cat people, they're bird people, but there's i feel like they're a little more like policey like yeah they're like cop. they're than, cops they are they're, they're, cops. they're like space cops or whatever mm. yeah so they're it's a little more like edge of the empire maybe but uh <laughs> uh but yeah i just i don't know i love the designs they all have like mandalorian looking helmets right uh and they have like silver bodysuits with like wings spider-man sort of webbing wings that go from like their hips to their wrists and, and they fly them, around in space, and one of them is a and cowboy. And one of them wears a, wears a cowboy hat and plays a yeah. guitar. Yeah, and his guitar, the toy, the guitar was also like a blaster or something. I don't that's know. Right. I always love the Silverhawks. I want to do one, and and that's all there is to it. This isn't um, like Battle of the Planets. That's a different thing altogether, isn't it? Very totally, different. Totally Very different thing. Thing. Oh, Very okay, different right, thing. Right, right. They are also bird people, though, so I yes, get that, that's, that's, that's the reason Very why I asked that look. question. They're silver, okay. so it's totally different. But Of course. Silver. It's a totally different thing. Uh, yeah. I, I think also uh, uh, Pacific Rim, I have some cool mechanical ideas for uh, being in the drift for Pacific Rim and mecha piloting and stuff. Mm-hmm. So well, so what, you, I, what you should do is contact Studio 404 and say, maybe I can work with you on a supplement for Mechasis. Mm. Right. Because I don't have enough going on. But uh, <laughs> uh, I need to fill up that calendar, baby. But yeah, uh, you do. Uh, and what was the other one I had too? Oh, Voltron! I think I could also do some interesting things with, sort of in a similar uh, universe. There, Vane. That, that, that would be my list, straight off the top of my head. Well, that was a highly detailed and unusually prepared answer for an impromptu <laughs> question. So, because I think about this stuff, I think about this stuff all the time. So. Way more prepared. I can't even come up with one right now. Wow. Okay, well, okay. Well, then, well, while, while you ponder, Darren, <laughs> yeah. what about you? What about you? So just so I'm clear, the question is, you know, it is a it is a product that Edge or FFG has, or is it just no, 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 not have. no, 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 in fact, does not have what what intellectual oh property, what what show or film or universe or anything, what intellectual property, if you had the opportunity to write for, you would want to write for the most, but it cannot be something that's already been published. Um, that's that's actually Babylon Five. I would love. Oh, fact, my man, there's a there's a there was a cadre of us a cabal you might even say that started this before the foundry even uh went going and i i went ahead and started doing some more work on my own and yeah i would love to turn babylon 5 into um a full-fledged there's just so much richness there uh and you know i've never uh, seen it well really i missed out Uh, i was in the navy when it came out so uh, i didn't really have access to a tv and it's not like Mm -hmm. you know streaming and everything was then like it Mm. is now once you're like 15 years have gone by and you still haven't seen it the the pressure to see it lessens but it's Mm. j michael straczynski right who's freaking out really so uh, you need you need to at at least seasons one through four yeah (laughs) right (laughs) for sure um Dude, that's 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 just that that's just epic. Like like there's two unsung sci-fi properties that that never get the love they're due. One of them is Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. The other would be the one thing I would want to write for, which is Stargate. Yes. yes. 
Yes. Um, it's just got that, a that, new uh, new version, which is um, has been licensed. Um, they're yes, doing it, it has. for uh, um, fifth edition, which I thought was a interesting combination. Ed, really? Yeah, it's yeah. fifth ed. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, which 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 I love Fifth Ed as a Dungeons and Dragons system, but for anything else, I'm just like really. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, for choice. That's <laughs> a good choice, um, though. A couple years ago, back when Dave still owned a GameStop, um, I, I I went by there one night, and in the Darren, you might Darren and Keith, you might be the only one that remember this, but in the earliest days of D20 Radio, 13 years ago. The second show to ever join the network after Order 66 was a show called Radio Free Homlet. Mm. And it, it, oh, man. It was devoted to fourth edition D&D at the time. Oof. And uh, <laughs> yeah, at the time. Um, it, it needed a show. It needed some help. Well, yeah. well, well, ironically, that crew willfully pod faded after getting burned out on fourth edition D&D, uh, which, wow. is, which is not hard to do. But anyway, that crew, DM Tim and, and, and that whole crew, they were at Dave's shop playing a homebrew Genesis game of Stargate and Tim had full miniatures and terrain, including an active Stargate. Tim, uh, barbecue Tim? Yes. Wow. And I lost my mind. (laughs) I was just like, what are you, okay, you're playing, you're like, yes, what system? Genesis? What? And I'm like, I, I lost my mind and it was like, I mean, he even like his little his active Stargate even had LEDs built wow. into it. Wow. Okay, that's a step. There you go. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm and I'm I'm just like, are you are you? And, and Darren, you're a minis guy, you oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was it was it was fully painted terrain. It was I was just like, are you ch- kidding me? And I oh, watched yeah. I watched them play for an hour until my wife like throw a dagger into my throat. <laughs> you know a game's good when you could like watch people play and have a good time. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. It was just Yeah, that's 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 mine. Yeah. And you know, I just like that. I mean, I've got miniatures for Babylon 5. I've gotten I've gotten hold of Star Furies that people have created and all kinds of other stuff, but the the other the other uh, genre speaking of really good ones that I would love to see is I'd love to do uh, Firefly, which is basically salvage in space. Okay. <laughs> um, I'd really love to do a Firefly one, but there's so much already out there for something like that that yeah. um, I I don't know how much there a call there would be for that. Darren, yeah. did you ever play the Firefly game, the Serenity game? Um, but it was Cortex. It was one of the first Cortex games. I did. Um, and we have a new podcast on the network, by the way, run by JT Domino, which is Cortex Primed. JT, mm-hmm. another AWA alum. Yeah. yeah. Um, which which is all about the new Cortex Prime system. So, mm. uh, yeah, dude. I mean, there's been a lot done. I think I think Genesis would lend remarkably well to that IP, though. Both of them. Mm-hmm. I think Genesis could do a lot of different things. Yeah. It's so versatile. So I think you can get away with, I mean, I, okay. I would watch a Downton, I would read a Downton Abbey Genesis. I think it could handle it. Probably better than most. You know? yeah. a, lot, a lot of social combat. <laughs> I was just gonna say, well, I was also thinking something um, like Snowpiercer. Sure. Um, could create a really cool, like Ooh. you're really enclosed, and it really kind of closes in the entire combat and social levels and everything all into one. That would that would be really interesting to me. Yeah, what would the skills look like? The skills list look like for like a snowpiercer because you probably don't want ranged. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably no ranged. No that's gunnery. For sure. Yeah. The may operating okay, but not really pilot or drive. No. Like the skills list gets real narrow. It, you might have does. to like careers yeah, might, might only so get too. six skills or something. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be pretty narrow. That one that one would be one or or the big one that I did I did come up with is Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, yeah. I would love to to write a setting in that kind of world. Speaking of Horizon Zero Dawn, another uh, recent addition that we we talked about at the start of the show um, to the Foundry came out a a few weeks back um, from Lee Ironside, who's produced Mm -hmm. some some very interesting stuff. He did the the cybernetics and G mods and gun locker um, and career specializations for for Android. Mm -hmm. Um, He produced dinosaurs exclamation point um <laughs> a, which is like which is basically a, a prehistoric bestiary outstanding i oh, you yeah. know what? i feel like that's an area that like there could be so much more of that on genesis like just yeah. big fat bestiaries monster manual type stuff mm-hmm. for oh, different settings great. like mm. that that stuff's low-hanging fruit that would probably do really well mm. yeah mm. definitely that's reason why i'm looking forward to the awa coming out yeah sure it's it's a little bit of that <laughs> for sure there's a lot of like uh you know human people type of adversaries but there's some there's some creatures in there too quite a yeah. few my my favorite part about lee's bestiary is for every single one of the entries he has he has the art okay he's got he's got like cool little dinosaur art right <laughs> but then he's taken the art and he's turned it into a silhouette and he's put it in like a little box beneath the stat block that has that in relation to human size. Oh, clever. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Which, which also suggests cavemen in this hypothetical setting. But <laughs> like, very, would, like Dendi Tartovsky's Primal or something primal, like that. Exactly yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, right? <laughs> Land of the Lost. Yeah, yeah sure. There, cool. There's a few what you could that, do. What was sure. that other one that was made in Australia that um, had uh, the guy who was in the original oh no sorry the american version of that english show that i can never remember god that's the worst description ever yeah um, i got nothing, <laughs> Terra Nova? Got, got Terra nothing thank you darren i'm glad you're uh, on darren comes up with it from nothing wow <laughs> terra nova wow okay impressive I got your back, Nate. Thanks, man. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, or just even like Jurassic Park, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's yeah. a few different things you could use dinos for. A time mm. travel game. If you're doing a time travel game, you got to have mm. at least one of the encounters be like, whoops, you went too far back, or the machine's broken, and <laughs> run away from the dinosaurs now. You know, something. Well, see, there's oh, a board yeah. game called Dinosaur Island that mm. uh, you could probably, if you wanted to do some sort of cross you know, promotion or something like that, you could probably get away with that. Just don't mention Jurassic Park at all. The thing about doing a dinosaur-themed setting or Mm. module or something like that, you guys are forgetting the best part about that. The the dinosaurs? Well, no, it'll be really, really easy to get miniatures. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's just like uh, the art. The art probably wasn't hard to source for free if you wanted to. Yeah. You should turn it into a familiar kind of setting, Ooh. like your familiar setting. But the dinos are the intelligent. Oh, ones they're, they're, else, they're, they're, um, too, they're too powerful, man. Like I've, I've, I started, I started going into alpha testing for another f- familiar style supplement, and I've at this point I'm totally stalled because the playtesting has sucked so bad. I've realized <laughs> it doesn't have the same feel. I started writing um, a, a, a a sister supplement called Companions, which was it, it, it's too familiar. Uh, 
it's 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 druidic and primal magic and and druidic com- animal companions compared to what familiar would be for arcane and familiars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, druids didn't get enough love. Um, no, no, but but what I found through my alpha testing was that it just was it didn't have the same charm. It just hasn't because you're you're literally playing like a freaking you know man eating tiger or something. Uh, it's like so much of the fun and familiar is playing useless things that can't right. hurt anything, but you got to use your wits to get past that. And that that magic for pun is is somewhat I don't know it was somewhat lost. Mm. Yeah, it's totally different. It's like when the Harry Potter movies, it's like they're not children anymore. So this is more angsty than cute. <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing where it's like, it's not the same anymore. It's still, it's still probably good, but not what initially drew you to it. Right. No. But that doesn't mean it can't be a good product. It would just mm. have to, it just has to be a different product, right? Different yeah. mindset. I, 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 I guess, I guess, I, I, I don't know. Okay. So it's in the answer to my question that you all have answered. Uh, excellent IP choices. I will say, Darren wins my vote for for wow. for, for choice. Well, you I, didn't I gotta, ask me, Chris. Well, I, was, I was coming. I was coming to that. <laughs> I was coming to that. But, but I'm going to give just from our guests. But I'm going to give Huli the chance to potentially steal my 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 win here. What this is like what Family is, Feud? This is wow. so serious. <laughs> what, Huli with your, the chance to steal. Chance to steal, Huli. Survey says. Right. Survey says. Okay. The survey says the Marvel MCU. Sure. That, um, Show yeah. me Marvel MCU. Oh man. Oh, sorry. Doesn't compare to Babylon Five. Sorry. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, the only other one was Stargate, um, which yeah. uh, was something that you'd mentioned, Chris. So uh, yeah, the, those are probably two of my favorite franchises outside of Star Wars. Um, followed closely by Star Trek, but then those three, those two. So, yeah, that would be my choice. I think MCU would just be uh, difficult to to translate because the problem you have with these superhero settings is that... Well, we can s- tell you it certainly is. Oh, yeah, we can tell you it is. We did it. Well, the, I, I know uh, mechanically it's its its own struggle, but even just uh, uh, like what are the players... It, if they're making their own heroes, it doesn't really feel like MCU. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm. If they're creating their own heroes. Cause I feel like I, I've said this many times to others, but I feel like those people who want to like play an MCU RPG, I think many of them, mm. they want to be cap or Iron Man or Spider-Man. Yeah. They don't want to be yeah. like, not quite of Captain course. America, yeah. like their ripoff version. <laughs> well, okay. Mm. This so, was, this was the joy of the, of the Marvel heroic role-playing game by Margaret right. Weiss. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because you, exactly. you literally couldn't make your own character. It was, it was, here's 30 established superheroes. Which one are you going right. to play? Be Wolverine. Like, like, that's what you want to do. Yeah. It's like, I want to be Spider-Man. I want to be Wolverine. I want to be Cyclops. Uh, you know, you're going to be Dr. Strange, and we're going right. to go fight Dr. Doom. And, and I think and that that's was, fun, because somebody at the table, like, knows what Iron Man would say in that situation or yeah, whatever. You exactly. know what I mean? Right. What <laughs> if you went more niche with, like, just the Spider-Verse, and each, each person had to create their own version of Spider-Man? Like sure. all the different Spider Verse worlds. Like, so that's cool. You know. oh, that's cool. Yeah. See, Jared. Jared's pulling those out again. We gotta. We gotta watch him. Uh, I've always said that, like, if FFG or if Edge ever did have like the Marvel license to work on, like, mm. it shouldn't be a or the core book shouldn't be the launch product. It should just be like a series of twelve beginner box adventures where the mm. pre gen is like. Like you're playing the Avengers in the first box, you know what yep, I mean? Right you're up, right. taking them through an adventure, and you could upgrade them and buy a, 
a follow-up box, or you could go buy the X-Men box or the Spider-Man box, Spider-Verse box, I guess. Like, yeah. That's the yeah. product I think people want. And like, it's it would be great to get new people into the, the hobby because mm. what's more mm-hmm. accessible than MCU? Yep. Uh, so like that, that's what I think that would have to be. As a core book, man, what a, what a struggle because what makes it different than, I mean, other than the fact that it's Genesis, like ultimately what makes it different than Champions or something like that where yeah. – the make your own hero thing is already there because well, the settings are already just New York, right? You probably ha- also have to do it if you wanted to go core rules. You'd have to do it very similar to what they did with Star Wars, because you've got the street level and yeah. then you've got the sort of the the world level and then you've got the cosmic level. And they're all like the Avengers are a little bit odd in that regard because they sort of they're a mixture of everyone, but sure. they do cosmic size adventures. Um, where, you know, your Daredevils and, um, you know, Luke Cage, they tend to be more your street-level people. Um, Sure, but even, like, Black Widow, like, out-bluffs Loki, the god of mischief, you know what I mean, in in the movies. So you could argue that she's playing, you know, Batman at that sort of cosmic level in a way. That's a good social encounter right there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, Huli, that's a, you hit on something great, which is, you know, um, having that kind of um, depth right off. I've seen Star Wars have the pre-generated characters that they have. Mm. So if they were MCU pre-generated characters, um, they used to have the automatic upgrades. Like this is, this yeah. is how you can upgrade yep. your character. Mm-hmm. So yep. you could have different versions of cap or, you know, whatever. And as you excel, you go to whatever that final version of, mm. of, yep. Yeah. You could play the all, you know, get to the one that's, you know, the most powerful one or whatever like that. Yeah. yeah. Like okay. if it, I'm just saying if it was me in charge of it, it would just be the whole product would be a, a ton of beginner boxes. And mm. that that would be. But I don't know what the margins look like on those. I bet they're not great because yeah. there's yeah. so much like fiddly bits with them. But uh, uh, but I think that's what the demand would be for. And then, like, assuming it's really popular, eventually you want to release a create your own hero type of supplement or whatever. But mm. Mm-hmm. See, I think that that really depends on where your market is. Now, I think that you're 100% right, Keith, that uh, if you're doing that for mainstream, I think doing it like that makes the most sense um, because you can then give exposure to your comic book nerds as well that have never right. touched role-playing. Or just um, people who have only people, seen the movies. You yeah, know, exactly. Far exactly. People who have read the books. Yeah. Um, but when you start looking at across the pond, like here in Australia or in Europe and whatever else, there isn't much in the way of MCU at all, as far as like, we're always looking at it from the American perspective. Sure. Um, and I think that, um, you know, sometimes I know that I do anyway, I feel a little bit left out that I wish there were more, uh, Australian superheroes other than what is a boomerang from DC or you guys have uh, hobbits, right. right? Don't you guys like just add <laughs> hobbits? Wrong country, but that's okay. Yeah. It's like <laughs> neighboring, it counts. The UK has uh, what Captain Brit- Britain, yeah, right? yeah, well, like right. in MCU, sure. In Australia, you have what you have Gateway, right? The Aboriginal yeah, that's teleporter, it. that's it. Um, the, it, I well, think and the X-Men hung out there for quite some time, yeah, they did, they did. They spent like yeah. most of the 80s just chilling in the outback. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, the other option could be, like, uh, you could play villains because you can level a villain. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. True, true. Yeah. It, anyway. That'd be you know, interesting to, like, you need to come up with a scheme to beat actual Captain America or whatever mm-hmm. that could be. That there, could used be, to be a, there used to be a young children's show um, called, that my daughter watched when she was very young called Superhero Squad. 
Sure. Oh, yeah. um, and, and they, they had like an episode I remember watching with her when she was like two or three, <laughs> that was, it was, it was, was like Modoc. Well, no, it was, it was, it was, it was like the all captain squad. So it was Captain America, Captain Australia, which was the first, <laughs> the first introduction of that character. He looked ridiculous. First and only. First and only. Captain America, Captain Australia. And then they had like Captain Britain and like Captain, like Brazil. Um, <laughs> and, and like Captain Canada and like, yeah. And they, yeah. So, so wow. there has been, I guess, a Captain Australia. Wow. Nationalism just plays so well here and not quite as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elsewhere, yeah. you know? Like yeah. we invented jingoism practically, or at least reinvented it. Yeah. <laughs> well guys, this has been a incredibly fun discussion. Thank you all for coming onto the show and jabbering with us uh for almost ninety minutes. It it's been a real pleasure. And I, I wanna I wanna thank each of you and, and those other runner up winners uh and nominees who are not with us for the incredible contributions that you've made to this community and to this game mm. that we love so God, we love so much mm. um in, in the past year. It, it's been it's been great. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I I did it for its own sake more than uh <laughs> expecting this but this is great yeah <laughs> this is amazing very cool no i i um <clears throat> i i think a lot of authors um who who do work of this type you know you do it you do it for yourself you do it for yourself because it's fun but you, you have to realize you know even even for people that are sitting at, at, at copper or haven't even meddled there yet but they've got a few dozen people that have downloaded their product that that has meant something to them they have they, it has either enriched their lives personally or it has enriched a group of people's lives in some way through a hobby that, unfortunately, in this time, mm. in this place, in this world that we're in, for so many people is is one of the few bastions of light that sadly can exist for some people. I, 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 have, I have friends and people in our community and, and some people, you know, that are going through very tough times right now and mm. they're experiencing a great deal of emotional turmoil. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't mean to get too magnanimous with all this, but the bottom line is that this, this stupid hobby that we all love so much is the only thing getting some people through and yep. in your way and through your work, all of you have contributed to that and ultimately making someone's life a little better. And Thank you. Also, if you have a product at Copper, give yourself a pat on the back because you just outsold half of like the yeah, products <laughs> on uh, Drive Through RPG. No shame no. in Copper at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But 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 you guys get what I'm saying. It's yeah, it's it's anyone you know. For those of you here on the show, those of you who are other award winners and nominees as well, and and, and, our, and our runner ups, you you do more than you realize. And it, if you you just have to realize there are so many people, so many people, it, 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 even if it's just a couple people, it doesn't matter. The work you have done has added light to someone else's happiness. Mm. And I don't know if there's a greater calling than that. Mm. Oh. Maybe cancer wow. research, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wow, you know you. Those, those, those pediatricians and, and, you know, people, you know, doctors without borders. Yeah, probably that. Probably that. Yeah. Yeah. But still, you're yeah. adding, <laughs> adding light and life to someone, someone's day. So, yeah. No. Guys, thank you and congratulations again. Aw. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us and thank you for everyone who thought of us. 
suck it, everybody. I won. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Nice. <laughs> Very amazing. Nice. Wow. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the 2021 awards. It's amazing. Keith Gallagher received no nominations for product this year. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, All right, guys. Thank you. Yes. I have had a great time, but I am also super eager to talk about the next topic in in our show because we are returning somewhere that we haven't returned to in a while. Do you want to maybe turn things up and uh, maybe meander our way into the furnace? That sounds like a hot idea to me. The furnace. And welcome to The Furnace. Welcome back to The Furnace, even. Uh, The segment (laughs) where we take a deep dive into a topic concerning custom creations using the Genesis role-playing game. Now, tonight we're going to continue after a very long overdue pause, uh, our segment series on the ins and outs of archetypes and species creation, which, based on the feedback you've all given us, you really want us to return to. Uh, which is great. So thanks for all the feedback. Uh, when it comes to creating your own setting or world in Genesis or even expanding upon an existing one, archetypes and species can be some of the most critical components for your players. Yes, sir. And ultimately, well-crafted thematic archetypes and species, they, they just go this incredibly long way towards imparting the tone and the feeling of your game. Hmm. But the balance of your game can be seriously impacted if those species aren't built in the proper way. Now, way back in episode four of the Forge (laughs) podcast, we began the first of a series um, on this topic of archetype and species creation, Mm. focusing on on the overall rules for species crafting, but then Mm. honing into serious detail on species archetypes uh, with a high bronze score. Mm. Um, Then in episode seven, we continued with a look at high willpower species and archetypes. Mm -hmm. In episode nine, we worked with you on crafting those cunning focused species. Mm -hmm. And in episode 11, we covered agility focused species and archetypes. Now, as we always say, we strongly recommend that you give a re-listen to episode four, if you need a reminder, uh, because in that episode, we covered the basics of archetype and species creation with the rules and best practices that we'll be referencing tonight. Uh, Now, this episode sees us tackling the mental giants of the species and archetype creation world. Tonight, we're going to put on our thinking caps and dig, really dig into the creation of species and archetypes with a very high intellect. Brilliant, creative (laughs) Uh, characters that use mind over matter, high intellect species, they really re- do represent some of the common and classic archetype concepts out there, mm. which we're going to break down, uh, mm. while also including the best practices to, to develop your very own species and archetype abilities for those concepts. Yeah. So before we get into this, man, do we, you want to mm. boilerplate us? Absolutely. So our boilerplate, as we always give, uh, we will not be discussing the core rules of creating a species. You know, the uh, that includes the six parts of a species, the XP costing when changing those parts, and, and all of that. Again, please go back and listen to episode four, where we cover it all in the first ha- half of our furnace segment, basically talking about, um, you know, the, the creation of uh, species and archetypes. Uh, we're not going to repeat it, uh, and we're going to proceed assuming that you know what we're talking about. Uh, now, tonight, we're simply going to be applying all of those rules to a new archetype and species-focused. And that would be the intellect-focused species. So, Indeed. 
let's talk about building an intellect focused archetype or species. You know, I think as we like to do, it's best as as the Genesis core rules recommend to to really focus on a concept or a trope. Okay, so it's really beneficial to start by really covering just a handful of common focus concepts that come to mind when you think of an intellect-focused species or archetype roles that they are commonly going to fill in the setting hmm. and in the party. Yep. So let's 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 hodgepodge, man. Let's go back and forth here. What are some of the what are some of the common focus embodiments? for for an intellect focused species and, and what what are they and what do they care about yeah look i think the first two that come to mind uh, uh the first one we'll discuss first is, is the technician you know the uh the get your hands dirty into mm-hmm. almost the mechanic side of things um you know common skills are going to be including computers and mechanics and, and knowledge-based skills um, you know, uh, as I said, these are your mechanics, your hackers, your blacksmiths, your artificers, uh, and, and they really, their core function is to build and repair and use their brains to affect certain objects, or in some cases, data, I guess, uh, in the real world. Mm-hmm. The second one that comes to mind is the scientist, or perhaps you can call them the doctor, so the specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a better sort of overall. Um, the the common skills for them are going to be things like medicine, computers, and again, knowledge-based skills. And that's that's a bit of a theme that you'll see through all of this is that knowledge-based skills are their thing. Um, because obviously with a high intellect, you're going to be using that. Uh, and these are going to be your doctors, your medics, and uh, your scientific researchers who use their knowledge and brain power to, you know, to heal people, to research real-world applications of new theories, uh, and obviously delve into the ideas behind them. Uh, the doctor, however, it's a bit of an unusual theme um, for a species, though not unheard of. But the scientist theme for a species is going to be quite common. So that's yeah. something that you would use a lot. Absolutely. The other two focus concepts that come to mind for me, um, mm-hmm. the, the first is, is a, a, another classic archetype, the bookworm. Mm. This is your, this is your, 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 your academic, mm-hmm. your, 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 your seeker of knowledge. The you know, common skills for this, uh, this, this trope are going to be knowledge Mm-hmm. Knowledge <laughs> and um, knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this is your librarian, right? It's mm. your scholar. Yep. I mean, this is what they they are really focused on. Is and th- this is actually a fairly common theme for for species and archetypes uh, in, in varied setting choices. Yeah, they value intellect for the sake of intellect. You got to have the, your bookish characters. You're, you yeah, know, it's your book, that is it's a trope. Bookish, it is mm. an absolute trope. Mm. And the other one we have to mention <laughs> when we're talking about intellect trope, intellect-based tropes, yep. especially in role-playing games where fantasy is such a huge, 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 huge yeah. setting, yeah. is the wizard. Yeah. Um, you know, with common skills being, of course, arcana and, mm-hmm. of course, knowledge. If you've got a fantasy setting or, or any other setting, frankly, that uses magic, the, the, the big brain character, <laughs> you know, uh, it, that includes in some cases the bookworm, you know what I mean? Yep. is often the wizard or the arcane magic user in the party. Okay. Mm. And the con and even then the concept of arcane capable archetypes or species is also fairly well established um, mm. in many settings and in fantasy lore. It yep. can often be hard to do that in a balanced perspective, but we'll talk about that. But yep. it, it's still a very common trope. Okay. So so 
four common tropes or focuses to think about, you know, when you're, you know, and obviously there's other ways you can go, but those are, those are the common things that really tend to embody the, the theme behind a, a, a intellect based species or archetype when you're creating it. Yeah, absolutely. So as we look at building this, um, what are some of the, the considerations, I guess, when, when we go through this process? Um, uh, we always ask a, a few questions as we go through this to, to give people a better understanding. So when it comes to intellect, what is some of those considerations? Well, the first one that we love to go through mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're thinking about characteristic management first off. <laughs> right is the dump stat yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so if we're if we're of course if if intellect is the primary it's going to be the highest characteristic you've got or at least tied for the highest characteristic almost certainly okay Mm -hmm. but what are you going to dump where's your (laughs) one gonna go Mm. realistically where should it go and there's no straight answer here the truth is that it really does depend on the focus the theme that you're going for Mm. so honestly huli i think for each each of the themes that we've gone through let's talk about dump stat possibilities and also i think there's great value in also mentioning those 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 characteristics you should avoid dumping obviously you're not gonna you're not gonna dump intellect but you know if there's anything else for the theme or the trope that you should probably keep it at least a two you know Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's look at our first one, which is the, as I mentioned before, the technician. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, your dump stat really is going to be presence. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an obvious choice as this theme really is one with the high charisma. Uh, in fact, you know, the concept is notorious for the opposite. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you look at Kaylee, for example, um, in Firefly, uh, where she is the mechanic. She's a technician. And, uh, you know, she, but she's not that good. I mean, she's a, a gorgeous woman for sure, but she's not all that good on the, you know, the, the, the interaction side of things. She always struggles right. with that. Um, so, uh, you know, that's social skills aren't going to be a critical thing for the technician. Right. So, uh, so that's the dump stat. Now, the things, though, that you should be really keeping are going to be things such as brawn. Uh, and the main reason for that is that it's really is a strong choice for the, the sort of theme that you're going for, um, especially for the mechanic. Uh, not just for the image of the the burly mechanic, but because engine blocks and and blacksmith hammers and and uh, everything else that they use are pretty much damn heavy. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, so athletics and brawl uh, makes the most sense for that for them to or have. Even, or even melee, you can imagine the the terrifying yeah. mechanic who wields who wields a big ass <laughs> wrench. <laughs> That so reminds me of uh, one of my old uh, Star Wars games where um, the character didn't want to have any weapons other than her wrench. Um, so, uh, yeah, we made a few modifications to uh, to club <laughs> and whatever, and that was her weapon of choice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this, of course, is going to go out the window for computers-based themes, for example. Um, you know, yes, it's great to be able to throw a laptop at someone. Um, but it's more of an improvised weapon. Yeah, um, not, not very, not very fitting thematically. No, <laughs> no. But if you are going to throw your laptop, uh, agility or cunning might makes more sense. <laughs> Depends, yeah. um, you know. So, uh, so there. So, uh, the second one that I think you have to keep uh, across the board for the technician is cunning. 
Now, this is a very sensible choice to keep high, especially for hackers, and to agree mechanics as well. Uh, cutting keys to things like perception, which is useful for the, the theme itself, and for deception and skullduggery. Now, this is very useful for more nefarious hackers or underworld intellect spies, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't I almost see like like brawn is the keeper if you're doing like that mechanic theme and cunning mm. might be your go-to if you're doing like that slicer or hacker yeah, theme. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it just depends. As you said before, it depends on the theme that you're going for. Um yeah. so so yeah. Um but uh I mentioned it before, Chris. What about the scientist or the doctor? What do you reckon for them? Well, for the the scientist or the doctor or the or the the specialist, as you as you as you put it, mm-hmm. um when you're talking about dump I mean, brawn or agility. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's 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 the choice to dump. It's going to have little to no bearing on the target skill layout for for a scientist or a doctor theme. Um, I think presence is another common option to dump, mm-hmm. um, especially for the scientist. Maybe a little less so for the doctor. Mm. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, but 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 maybe. But you know, ultimately, <laughs> I mean, social graces. And their associated skills are typically yeah. lacking from scientific researchers, yeah. at, from a trope perspective, at least. Mm-hmm. And even then, doctors, you know, a doctor's bedside manner is notoriously mal- maligned, right? <laughs> um, you know, to continue your your Firefly uh, uh, serenity, um, you know, despite the fact that he's a good looking dude, Simon <laughs> Tam clearly lacks some presence. <laughs> um, you know, which is why he and Kaylee's interactions are always so much fun. Yes, true. Um, Very true. So... So I, I I think that's that's hilarious. Um, now in in terms of what to keep um, mm. for for the scientist or doctor trope, honestly I would go with cunning mm. um, to to fit that theme. It, it's usually wise to keep high cunning with this theme purely because it keys to perception, yeah. and especially if you're dealing with a medical professional, that that can be a very key skill, mm. um, and, and to a lesser extent to a scientist as well. Yeah. Um, mm. So that that's kind of where I where I would I would kind of. Mm. hinder there so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Mm. but what about what about the what about the bookworm man what about mm. the what about the nerd well when i think of bookworm i um think of um uh willow to be honest um <laughs> from buffy uh you know the the dump stat for for that particular type of character is going to be brawn or agility again uh you know it is the choice to dump uh for many of the reasons that we mentioned uh, earlier uh, but the other one is presence. Uh, again, for the same reasons uh, as we've mentioned, unless the archetypal species has a common hierarchy of academia associated with it, uh, in which case interacting with, uh, with research boards and uh, you know, the bureaucracy of science and, and higher learning could be crucial. Um, so, uh, you know, I think for a character like Willow or White Hats, if you want to go down that path, you know, you might be looking at, uh, more so brawn and agility, uh, because they do have to interact with other people, but sometimes, you know, they can be a little bit socially awkward as well. So yeah, just, I would consider those three definitely depending on what theme you're going for. But the thing to keep should likely be uh, a fairly high willpower, uh, primarily because it keys to discipline, uh, which can be an important thing, especially if you you start looking at, you know, a character like this that suddenly starts to develop 
um, some sort of psychic or or um, you know magic style powers that discipline is going to be important it really is a, a it's a critical skill for staying awake as well not just from the magic start side of things but for staying awake while you know deep in the research stacks um, amongst all the books that uh, they'll be plowing through so okay so you we, we, when we think about book bookish characters hmm. we you know in the real world the trope is that they're often very meepish and actually would have very low willpower. Mm. But if you look at bookworm heroes, yes, like the aforementioned Willow, that's yep. never the case. You know, we talked about one of my favorite intellectual properties in our last segment, which is Stargate. The character of Daniel Jackson is an intellect-based character, okay, yes. mm-hmm. who clearly classifies the bookworm archetype. It's all about knowledge, knowledge, and knowledge. His brawn and agility are not great. His presence is, the, the guy tongue ties nonstop. He's, <laughs> he's, okay, there. But his willpower is extremely high, okay? Mm. And, and all of that keys back to a very strong discipline, uh, which, which not only before he got involved with the Stargate program, kept him, you know, from fading into nothing when he was being completely ridiculed for his ideas. Mm. Okay. Mm. But beyond that, I mean, there's through the Stargate series, the amount of mental trauma and turmoil that character goes through Mm. and emotional turmoil and what he's able to resist and overcome has everything to do with the fact that that bookish character has a high willpower. Yes. That's, that's kind of where I see. Agreed. And our last theme is of course the wizard, as we said, Mm-hmm. When we talk about what to dump, yeah, brawn and agility. It's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, the choice to dump for the same reasons as Huli mentioned above. And much like the bookworm, you really want to keep high willpower. Willpower, a, a classically important theme for a an arcane magic user, if that if that is keyed to the species or the archetype. You know, primarily again because it keys to discipline, very fitting thematically. But also, let's just talk mechanics for a minute will lead to a higher strain threshold, which is yeah. so critical for mm, casters. Exactly. So, yeah, pretty simple there. Yeah. One thing that I will mention about the dump stat, though, is if you come from a D&D mindset, and I'll be the first to admit that uh, in recent times I've been playing a, a little bit uh, more D&D than what I'm used to, mainly because I was approached at my kids, uh, one of my kids' schools um, to uh, to run D&D as an after-school activity, which is really cool. Um, it's really bizarre that it's in a Catholic school, so compared to like the 80s <laughs> when there was none of that going on, um, quite the opposite. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, there is this um, thought process that a high dexterity, for example, is better for a wizard because that is so keyed into armor class. That isn't necessarily the case. In, the, in fact, it isn't the case with Genesis. Um, so, you know, the, you might be more inclined to go brawn as the, as the dump stat. Um, but, um, you know, both brawn and agility work just as well. So, yeah. Uh, and and quite know. frankly, you could be well within your rights to dump both of them. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to go down I, I that mean, part. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go super and have like three in, and willpower in, and a three in, uh, in intellect as well. At, uh, at that point, though, I would question the balance of your species design. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Mm, very much so. All right. So we've looked at that, but where do we give the 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 free skill rank uh, with each of these sort of archetype subtypes? Well, okay. So again, it, as we talked about in in the other episodes devoted to this, it comes down to characteristic based 
or keyed skills and non-characteristic, in this case, intellect-based yep. skills, right? Mm. So let's let's talk about the intellect-based skills first, if you're going to consider those for free ranks. Mm. Now, normally, we give the advice when you're building a species or archetype that a free rank in a skill that keys to the characteristic focus of that archetype, in this case, intellect, mm-hmm. should cost a bit more to the overall XP hit, right? Yep. You know, typically, if you, if you get a free rank... Yeah, but you know that's not gonna that's not gonna give you an XP hit. But if it's a free rank in one of your primary characteristics, so there's good synergy, it should probably be a minus five to your starting XP, right? Hmm. That is still correct and valid advice. But intellect, Huli, intellect <laughs> presents a few exceptions to that normal rule that I think are worth mentioning. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. To begin with, computers, mechanics, medicine operating these are you know for the settings where operating is used these are primary skills all of them with Mm. broad frequent usage when the setting Mm. includes them Mm. as such yes a free rank in any of those skills if you're an intellect-based characteristic and you're given a free rank in one of those should cost a bit more typically an extra five to the Mm. overall xp hit right but then we come to alchemy and astrocartography. <laughs> yeah. Now, alchemy, you could, depending on how deeply it's used in the setting, you could put it into the same category as computers, mechanics, medicine, and operating, but right. not typically. Astrocartography should probably never get put into that category. See, things, the, these are intellect based skills. And, but, but the thing is, honestly, I think a GM should be excused for not increasing the XP hit for a free rank in either one of those skills for an intellect-focused archetype. Right. Because of their rare and, frankly, limited usage. Correct. All right. Yeah. Yep. Unlike the highly general skills of computers, mechanics, medicine, and operating. Yeah. Now, again, if, if you're going to have some sort of a setting like um, we've been, as a family, we've been watching um, What's Upon a Time? Uh, from the ABC network, and uh, that's alchemy is a huge thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. At that, at that point, if you're an intellect-based archetype, and alchemy is huge in your setting, yeah, buddy, that ain't free. That should be a five XP hit. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. But so. in most fantasy settings where alchemy is allowed, yep, probably not. Yeah. Yep. And uh, astrocartography again, if you're in like a sci-fi style setting. That's going to be uh, a big thing, maybe. Yeah, but, but is it? Is it? Well, it's exactly right. It's, it's not going to be a main thing unless it needs to be. I know that all the Star Wars stuff that I've done, uh, that unless it's done really urgently, um, that that's the only time that I'm going to make and make a check. Otherwise, exactly. okay, you, you punch in the stuff in the computer and off you go because they've got enough time to do that. They yeah, don't need I mean, to be rushing anything. And th- that's uh, what Star Wars has taught me about what, what is in Star Wars astrogation. Yeah. And and, yep. and that's why I would not increase the XP no. hit for exactly. for that, even though it's an intellect-based skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's where it gets weird, Huli. <laughs> yes. <laughs> knowledge. Yeah. 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 We, we have to talk about knowledge because the thing is, in your setting, you won't likely have a knowledge skill. You're going to have several. And please all of you gamer nation go take a re-listen to episode three where we discuss knowledge skills in your setting and breaking them out quite intensively yeah Mm. because of that 
a free rank in one of four knowledge skills. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be a free rank in every knowledge skill. It's going to be a free no. rank in one of your varied knowledge skills. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is going to have, interestingly, a, as as rare and limited a usage as astrocartography. And as such, I, I think a GM could fairly decide not to increase the XP hit for a free rank in a knowledge skill, even though this is an intellect-based archetype. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because, again, incredibly, it's, it's not generally used. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. Because there's going to be an even spread amongst all. Mm-hmm. Well, it should be when you're running a game. It should be evenly exactly. spread across the, the entire four. Um, exactly. When you start bringing in uh, things like uh, some of your magic, where magic is u- being used all the time, and we'll get onto this in a moment, that's where you run into the problem. And so we'll touch base on the arcana skill. Now, we really have to talk about it for exactly the reason that I just gave. Much as we have said for Divine and Primal in Episodes 7 and 9, giving a free rank in a magic skill is a big deal for a species. Yeah, huge. And if you do huge, it, huge. <laughs> and this doesn't necessarily just apply to Arcana. This could apply to other skills that you may have created as part of your setting, which really does focus a particular thing, whatever that it, mechanic is. Well, well it, it, the bottom line is if you can hurt somebody with it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So we're talking combat and magic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So if you do have something like that, um, it should be more, you know, it's, it's a higher XP hit. It really needs to be higher um, of that 5 XP. Um, so uh, you should be looking at that extra 10 XP, typically, yeah, um, for, so, uh, for that increase. Absolutely. So, I mean, like we normally say for, for those, those, in this case, intellect-focused skills, mm. you know, if you're talking about computers or mechanics or medicine or something like that, yep. and you want to give them a free rank, that should be worth plus five. But if you're going to do Arcana mm-hmm. and you're going to do a free rank there, that should be 10 XP off the build. Yep, exactly. Um, exactly. Just for balance's sake. Mm. Um, and I, I actually play tested the living bejeebus out of that with Harry Potter. <laughs> right. And trust me, trust me, you, you, you want to try avoiding doing this if you can, although I'm going to break that precept in my build, but, um, you want to try avoiding doing it if you can, but if you do, if you do it, hmm. dude, yeah, 10 XP, it should yep. be worth 10 XP. Yeah, absolutely. So that's your intellect based skills, but what about non-intellect-based skills, Chris? Well, honestly, the good, cheap choices, you know, your your non-characteristic-focused you know, skills, non-intellect, mm-hmm. yep. um, will, again, going to depend on the theme or focus you're going for. So so yep. let's let's return to those focus themes, those mm. those tropes we talked about. All right. Um, so what for, about for the technician? The, well, for the technician, I see, you know, based on the earlier conversation, I see athletics as, a, as, mm-hmm. a, as an obvious choice. So is resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those two, especially if you're taking something with more of like a, a mechanic trope, mm-hmm. um, conversely, if you were building something with like the hacker trope, mm-hmm. um, as your technician focus, I think a free rank in skullduggery or, or streetwise mm. might be uh, very apropos. Yep. I agree. I agree. Now the scientist or the doctor, uh, conversely, uh, you would have charm for the doctor. Yeah. 
uh, for yep. that um, fantastic bedside manner, as you mentioned before. <laughs> <laughs> um, negotiation is best for the scientists, especially if they, they have to start applying for more money for grants and uh, and things like that, <laughs> or exactly. uh, talking to the the head of the hospital or, or something like that 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 they're working for. Um, and then uh, you'd also have piloting uh, for a space setting, especially. Uh, yeah, piloting is very um, commonly mm. found among that that scientist or or inte- intelligentsia archetype in, in yeah. space or sci-fi yeah. space operator. Absolutely. Or even if you're doing a, a real life setting, if you uh, if you were like modern day, you might be saying that it might be driving, for example, um, for the same reason because they have to, you know, uh, if you're looking at a paramedic or something like that, they have to drive really fast through the city streets. Um, so that's yeah. something that you're looking at as well. So yeah. You just, you just don't want to pull a Doctor Strange. That's really what you want. Um, <laughs> no, don't do that. That's bad. <laughs> you don't really don't want to do that. Um, when it comes to the bookworm, for the bookish, mm-hmm. the academia, academia types, um, yeah. we mentioned it before, man. Discipline. Discipline, yes. discipline, discipline. It's a very strong choice. Very thematic. Makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think perception is wise, especially when you're searching for that that uh, musty tome deep in the stacks um, <laughs> of some research library. So yeah. I, I, I see those as, as, mm. as very, very good. Absolutely, yep. Uh, some may even suggest um, some vigilance uh, is another one. Mm. Definitely not as much as perception, but definitely vigilance because vigilance isn't just a combat skill. And we've talked about this previously, that uh, vigilance can be used for finding stuff on the fly so you're not actually looking for something um but uh, you know you come across something instead uh yeah. it can be looking for that minutiae of stuff rather than just a general broad sweeping perception so something to consider there as well um but the wizards uh, you know again discipline makes total sense because it's linked into casting magic um so does resilience uh, especially if you want to handle those, uh, you know, nasty arcane or alchemical side effects um, <laughs> that you'd, you're experimenting with, or something like that. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, th- those are something to to really take a look at. Mm-hmm. But what about unique abilities? Because we've we've now talked uh, about our skills, but what yeah, about these got, unique we've, abilities? We've gone through characteristics, we've gone through skills. Okay, mm. so for the unique abilities. Let's cover a few high-level options that we can build off of. Um, Mm. So as usual, we kind of classify this into two categories, our potent abilities and then our always-on abilities, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The potent abilities, uh, typically they're the once-per-encounter or once-per-session, and they usually require spending a story point. Yep. Um, There's really two categories here. The first is intellect substitution Mm -hmm. uh, for other characteristics in skill checks. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, This is really a good one that represents kind of mind over matter and using your brain in lieu of physical characteristics for certain tasks. So, you know, using, you know, well, we have this, this heavy stone door we have to open. Well, you can hit it with athletics. You know (laughs) what? I'm going to see if I can find a lever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, um, we've got to sneak across this compound. Uh, We'll get your stealthiness on, or I can make a stealth check, but use my intellect instead of my agility. Uh, to, you know, where, where representing of me mapping out a route away from the security patrols mm. or 
realizing certain areas and or movements I need to make in order to walk more silently, for example. Uh, there was a there was a character in a show I can't even remember what it is now, but um, they sort of they calculated all of the you know the cosines and tangents to to be able to climb a wall um, because of the positions of the 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 way that the building was structured. Um, I can't even remember what what that character was, but they sort of had sounds that like a Sherlock Holmes thing. Yeah, right. yeah. So um, you know, that's, that's something yeah. that you could do as well. So um, now, I recommend that if you do this, where you're mm-hmm. you're substituting intellect for a different characteristic in a yep. in a different skill check, mm-hmm. um, I think you it, you're, you're probably better off specifying one or two specific characteristics you could substitute intellect for. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. The you know two off the top of my head. Um, an ability like mind over matter, you know, mm. a special ability called mind over matter, uh, where you can, you know, spend that destiny point and use intellect in place of a brawn or agility uh, in a in a in a brawn or agility based skill check. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, conversely, um, a a unique ability uh, perhaps called quick thinking, mm. uh, which would allow you to substitute intellects in place of presence or cunning. Mm. Uh, when you're making a presence or a cunning based skill check yep. where, you know, instead of relying on my, my silver tongue or my <laughs> quick wit, I'm relying on my massive intellect for a split second. Yeah. 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 Um, very useful for social challenges, things like that. Mm. Now we've also got, um, one of the abilities, uh, which is using intellect to substitute skill ranks in other skills. Yeah, no. this is whereas like the first like the first potent would be sub- characteristic substitution. This is intellect to substitute skill ranks, right? Mm, right, exactly. So you've got um, you know the brilliant ability of the intellectual archetype uh, on page thirty eight of the Genesis Core Rulebook that does exactly that, uh, and it can easily be reskinned or reused as it is. Um, to uh, to perform something else, which is going to be a little bit more thematic to the archetype that you're going for. And dude, if it fits, just use it. Put mm. it in there. Give yeah. them the brilliant ability, mm. you know, as found on page 38 of the Genesis Core Rulebook. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, those are our those are our potent abilities. Those are the big yep. boys. They're usually worth 10 XP. You know, yep. exactly. Um, what about the always-on abilities, those less potent abilities, but that, that don't cost you anything like a story point to use? They're, they're typically always in play. Yeah. Look, it's hard to come up with, uh, with some flavorful ones that make sense for an intellect-focused species, um, especially because that intellect is just something that is – you know, normally on always. You're always looking at things. Mm-hmm. You're always, you know, you're trying to work things out. It's what the brain does. But as far as um, uh, talents that are always coming to, into play, um, you know, we we do have a few suggestions, but it has been a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, abilities that remove one setback die for a specific intellect-based skill uh, is a really good choice. For example, mm-hmm. an ability like machine-minded, which always lets the archetype remove one setback die from any mechanics check they would make uh, would be great for a technician-themed archetype, for example. Absolutely. Star um, Wars has a fair bit of those types of yeah, special abilities. Um, abilities that add boost die under certain circumstances with an, uh, with an intellect-based skill is also really helpful. Uh, for example, an ability like Hive Mind, 
which lets the uh, you know the archetype add one extra boost die when receiving the benefit of the assist maneuver on a computer's check, um, or perhaps even a knowledge check. Uh, if we look at Star Trek, we have the Binars, if you remember from first season, uh, Next Generation, I think it was, or it might be second, that uh, the species, when they're together as a group, their intellect actually increases because of the way that they communicate. So yeah. uh, something like that is what you're looking for, more that hive mind mentality. Mm. Now, I think that when you're going to do this, especially when it comes to to you know removing a setback die or adding a boost, you have to keep it very specific. You know, yes. if you're going to, if you want it to be worth five XP, mm. Agreed. Um, you know, it, you know, for, for the removal of one setback die, mm. I mean, you should specify the skill it applies to. Okay. It yep. shouldn't be for any intellect based skills. And for the addition of a boost die, I mean, what I like about our, our example made up ability of hive mind mm -hmm. is that it's under very specific circumstances. Mm -hmm. So not only does it designate the specific skill it would apply to, and it should only apply to a single skill, yep. not all intellect-based skills, mm. but it also only applies in a specific circumstance. Yeah, it's where you've got your limiter. Yeah. And, you know, it's, so it's, 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 it's when you're receiving the, the benefit of the assist maneuver, specifically on a computer's check or on a knowledge check or on a mechanics check or whatever it is, when you're making that check and someone's assisting you, guess what? You get two boost instead of one boost. Yeah. Very, very cool. Okay. So, Huli, now that we have we have gone through all this and we've talked mm. about some some best practices and some some characteristic layouts and some skill, free skill <laughs> choices and costings and, and unique abilities, yep. let's do what we do and put this into practice, shall mm. we? Yes, indeed. Let's break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> as as we do, uh, Huli and I are going to create um, live here on the show mm -hmm. um, some intellect archetype builds. Mm -hmm. um, and do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Oh, you go first. Why not? I want to hear this great creation of yours. <laughs> okay, so I, you know, we we often say. You know, if you're going to have a a species that has or an archetype that has a free skill rank in in something that synergizes with their primary characteristic, you you typically want to overcost that, right? Right. But we say, you know, it's a, typically a very bad idea to give them a free rank in magic or combat skill. It's typically not a best practice, right? Mm, because it can right. lead to a lot of imbalance. Yeah. Well, you can do it if you do it right with the appropriate amount of balance and so mm -hmm. i really wanted to try and play with that and see what that might look like right so by really focusing on that wizard archetype with a bit of a twist so mm -hmm. my creation is the cambion mm. um obviously a, a an older word for a a half demonic or half infernal creature um, so, you know, the, 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 the write-up I got on this is that the Cambian are a species whose bloodline obviously mixed with the infernal powers a very, very, very long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, they are reviled and mistrusted by most due to their inherent arcane ability mm -hmm. and their unusual appearance. Uh, very slight builds, which often sport skin in varied shades of red or gray, mm -hmm. uh, with horns, sharp teeth vestigial tails mm -hmm. uh, and solid black eyes mm. now whether this uh reputation is justified <laughs> or the cambians simply respond in kind to the stereotypes placed upon them uh they usually live 
what you could say would be isolated lives, mm-hmm. um, rarely settling together in large groups, which are pretty risky and prone to attack. Mm-hmm. Um, Cambian children can even be born to quote unquote normal parents as their their dormant lineage takes hold with a random birth, mm-hmm. uh, which sadly often results in the death of the infant, except in more enlightened societies. Mm-hmm. Though rarely trusted, some heroes of Cambian ilk have risen above the inherent fear to become powerful leaders and respected adventurers, though even a revered Cambian must fight usually instant fear and hatred among those unfamiliar with them. Mm. I kind of guess where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, this is this is obviously a riff off tieflings, right? Yeah, or, or other other demon blooded fantasy races. Um, I I really, I wanted to play with a species that would break our best practice rule of getting a free rank in Arcana. I wanted to create that sort of a natural mage species Mm -hmm. and, and show how this could be done in a balanced way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mm. So I'll walk you through it. Um, So obviously core species layout, you got, you got a three, four twos and a one in your characteristics, right? Mm -hmm. And a hundred, 100 starting XP. Hmm. So obviously I put that three in intellect because <laughs> that's kind of what we're doing. Yep. Um, agility, cunning, and willpower at two. Right. I was seriously tempted to pump cunning to three mm-hmm. um, for, you know, skullduggery and other nefarious things. But honestly, I decided against it for a couple reasons. First of all, I wanted to, to enforce that the Cambian aren't naturally evil. You know, mm. it's a, it's a perception because of their arcane ability, because of their appearance. Mm. Um, plus, they're going to be kind of XP poor anyway, so I really didn't want to throw 30 XP at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and consequently, I actually decreased uh, one of the twos to a one to give myself uh, 110 starting XP to work mm. down from. Yeah. And that would be, br- so that, that would leave brawn and presence both at a one. Mm. Um, not Bold only are, are these... <laughs> That's yeah, a bold well, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, they're they're very lithe creatures. Okay, yeah. Mm. Um, so that's that's reflected in their bronze uh, score. Br- Brawn, you know, also doesn't matter a whole lot for a a, a natural mage. Mm. And presence made sense because they're they're of one their frightful appearance, yep. um, and two just the natural cultural aura of mistrust mm. uh, that surrounds them that I felt would be represented very strongly with the presence of one. Yeah, makes sense. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, it, it made some sense. Hmm. Um, now, moving down into wound threshold and strain threshold, I I kept wound threshold at a ten plus brawn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I bumped willpower. <laughs> <laughs> um, I or wound thre- I, I bumped strain threshold um, mm. to twelve plus willpower. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, considering the flavor, I didn't find any need to increase the wound threshold. And this actually, unfortunately, means with their naturally low brawn, they're going to be suffering pretty heavy in the wound threshold department. Yeah. I mean, we're talking with no modification. That's that's a wound threshold of only 11. Mm. Um, yeah. But honestly, I'm okay with that. Yep. Because that represents um, exactly where you're going for the for the, the theme of this live species. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, physically small, physically weak. Yeah. Um, now the the plus two increase to strain threshold was something I felt was was one very fitting for a, a naturally arcane species, mm-hmm. um, because it's obviously in essence going to give them an extra spell. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, 
when, when you get down to it. But more importantly, I also yeah. felt it represented kind of a, I think about how I think of the fact that strain threshold is, is also used in social encounters and social interactions. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for a, for a species that has gone through what they go through, I think they would have a naturally higher mental toughness, mm. just accrued over years of being hated and reviled, kind of this, this thick skin, basically, in the social yeah. sense. Um, so, so I thought it was a very fitting addition to bump their, their, you know, their strain threshold to 12 plus willpower, but that flavorful decision will cost me another minus 10 XP. (laughs) Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, now special abilities, uh, in terms of their free skill rank, obviously, as I said, I wanted to give them a free rank in Arcana. Right. Um, the species has natural arcane abilities. That's the point. But as we talked about earlier, not only is this an intellect-based skill, which on its own should probably, you know, as a primary skill, provide a, um, you know, another minus five to the starting XP. Mm-hmm. It's a magic skill. Yeah. So not only do I not get it for free, I really shouldn't even get it for minus five starting XP. It should cost me minus 10 starting XP. And that's what I'm costing it at. Yeah, that's fair enough, too. Um, mm. But I'm I'm not done. <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to other unique rules, I, I you know I have my first you know my my, my kind of free simple unique ability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, targeting that five XP you know tier one talent area, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to go uh, to take a page out of out of the 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 book itself with um, what I'm calling claws and horns. Instead of claws, it's claws and horns. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I basically the Cambian have a natural attack. Um, you know, and I, I, I kind of call that in species description. They, they have sharp claws or pronounced horns. You know, depending mm-hmm. on the Cambian. So you know, when making an unarmed combat check, they get a plus one to their base damage. They get a critical rating of three. Mm-hmm. This made complete sense for the narrative of the species, but I really like the idea of also a low brawn species having a slightly more powerful natural melee attack. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of make up for that to, to a degree. And, and basically that's going to be my, my quote unquote free, you know, worth, worth five XP ability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it also made sense to continue to take another page out of the Genesis core rulebook. <laughs> um, consider the description, you know, I thought maybe I'd, I'd get a little bit of XP back by giving them the fearsome quality. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is right out of the book, you know, basically can be interfered by non cambians. Uh, and they they add a, a setback die to correspondingly they're going to add a setback die to any charm deception leadership uh, and negotiation checks they make, but also add a boost die to any coercion checks they make. And obviously none of that applies if they're interacting with other Cambian. Yep. Um, and this is again straight from the Genesis Core Rulebook, page one ninety three. Make total sense for the narrative and. I get plus five XP back to starting XP. So that was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, I didn't really like the 95 XP um, because that's, that was kind of where I was at right now. It was 95 right. XP. I'm like, wow, that's just, this just feels too high for a naturally arcane species like this. Right. So I decided to give myself and, and the Cambian another unique rule. And I wanted it to be a doozy. I wanted it to be worth minus 10 starting XP. Mm-hmm. So I did something, I, I took some of the things we talked about and I changed it a bit more. Okay. I came up with a special ability called Infernal Heritage. Mm. Once a session, your character, the Cambion, can spend a story point as an incidental. So it's a story point driven thing. Once a session. Yeah. Mm. If they do so, during the next brawn 
or agility-based skill check they make during that turn, you count their ranks in the skill as being equal to their ranks in Arcana. Oh. So the I, I thought this was kind of an interesting twist. We, we talked about using intellect to substitute, you know, in the same way to substitute for other characteristics, yeah. or as you talked about, to substitute for other for for skill ranks and certain mm. skills. Yep. I really wanted to focus on on that natural arcana thing. So it's like, and this is obviously going to be a lot stronger for, you know, early on. This is this is going to be nowhere near as powerful as it will be later on for the character. Sure. Where it's going to be a lot easier to to get to five in arcana than it is going to be to get to five in intellect. Hmm. Um, so some playtesting might bear this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 consequently, early on, hmm. um. It 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 means that they're there. It's not going to be as powerful as if it was an intellect substitution base, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's definitely a spin on on the 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 powerful abilities we discussed earlier. Yep. And to me, it just represents using magical power and your knowledge of it to enhance physical acts, yeah. which I found to be absolutely terrifying. And you know, so what you've got is an experienced Cambian here with this infernal blood and their own mastery of arcane magic. I mean, this, this means that they could uh, apply their ranks in arcana to a melee check or Mm. to an athletics check or to a coordination check or a ranged heavy check. Right. Mm. Mm. Um, And, you know, once a session for a story point, you know, they could do that and, and then potentially have massive ranks. Um, as just just using the power of magic to power physical abilities, I thought it was very thematic, very terrifying, but definitely worth minus ten XP. Yeah, definitely. And and that ultimately would bring my starting XP down to eighty five, which right. I think is is very fitting for a fantasy race um, of this kind. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, I, I mean, it, it might it might seem a little high actually when you consider their natural arcane abilities. Yep. But mm. when you consider that they've got fearsome they have to deal with, and most importantly, that they're really glass cannons when you get down to it with a yeah. with a very low wound threshold and, mm. and very low brawn, mm. um, I I think it's I think it's well costed. Yeah. So I agree. I agree. I really like the way that you've taken uh, that uh, that ability. What is it? Is it brilliant or something like that? I can't remember which one it is that turns that on its head. Um, yeah, where you're substituting uh, your ranks. Brill- actually, brilliant does it for uh, the your actual intellect. I think it is to, to score. Yeah, from. and that, yeah. that's where I was turning it on its head. Yeah, um, and yeah. so I said, I, I really, I really, I've never, I've never messed with a special ability like that before. Mm. Um, and so I really would want to get it on the table and do some play testing. But yeah. I got a hunch. I don't think it's going to be overpowered. No. Very good. Now, for me, I did. Uh, I didn't do any sort of beginning text for it because if you don't know what this particular race is, um, well, you may not be a Trekkie, I guess, which kind of gives it away. I've decided to do Vulcans. Yes. Now, Vulcans are uh, very much your logic based. Uh, they're stronger than uh, than your average human. Uh, but they're very, very intellectual, and they use that logic to to really sort of hone in on a, a very specialized field. 
Now, I had some difficulties uh, because as I was examining, uh, you know, each of the Star Trek RPGs, such as, you know, the 2D20 version from Modiphius, uh, the original Facet game, uh, the version from Last Unicorn Games, and of course, Decipher's version. Now, each of them had a very different way of handling Vulcans. Um, and, and this is what sort of got my brain spinning. How was I going to adapt that uh, you know, their version into a, uh, a Genesis version. The, the overall feel was that they are notably stronger than, than your average human. So for my build, I decided to break the rules a little bit and decided to go with two abilities that have a rating of three. Now, because we're doing intellect-based, it had to be intellect as one of them. Uh, but the other one that I did was brawn. Now, I did consider leaving it at two brawn and have some other ability that uh, allowed them to do that, but with you know, yeah. just a single boost die. But it uh, it made no sense to no. because there's too many too many skills that they would have that would yeah. be, uh, and so it just made more sense. Uh, both from a mechanical perspective, because there's a, there would end up being a lot more moving parts. Well, dude, they they are they are stronger and tougher. I mean, yeah. by a long shot than humans. I mean, it's not it's not limited to a single skill. You would no. have to do the characteristic of brawn. You would have to do that. Exactly. So that's kind of where I went for that. Uh, for cunning, agility, and willpower, I kept that as two for obvious reasons. Um, you know, they, they don't really have any memorable stories to support any of those attributes greater or lesser than two. So I decided mm-hmm. to keep those at two. However, presence is what I kept at one. Now, this I'm sure is going to be hotly debated, uh, especially with characters such as Spock, who was somewhat charming. Uh, in a Vulcan kind of way, um, depending on which actor it is. Um, but um, well, yeah, that- but he's he, he's technically not a full blooded Vulcan. <laughs> no, exactly right. He's he's only half Vulcan, um, and of course, Sub Commander Tapal from Star Trek Enterprise. You okay? Well, don't confuse don't confuse physical attractiveness with presence. Exactly, um, and that's my point. They're socially awkward because of the logic, because of the lack of emotion. The, it made more sense to me to have that lack of presence. Uh, and if they were to rise above that, they would obviously have to be spending experience points at the start to to rise them above that and to make them have the ability to be able to command um, with leadership. Having said that, in this system, you don't even need to touch presence, just bump up your leadership skill. Um, so, uh, so there's that, but I, I think that those two are really the exceptions to the rule when it comes to, if you're looking at that physical attractiveness, but both of them, they're unable to connect emotionally with people. And that's really what is at the core of the presence attribute. It's not just there, how good looking they are. It's how well that they present to other people. Mm-hmm. So as a GM, you can, you can always, I guess, you know, throw an upgrade or a boost die towards when dealing with your own species um, or just not make it as difficult if they're dealing with other Vulcans. Uh, but when it comes to everybody else, because most species uh, have that, uh, that they have emotions that play into that. And a lot of the Star Trek stories are based around that. But uh, you've also got to take into consideration their telepathic ability. 
But that's going to be dealt with on a case-by-case basis because yeah. not every Vulcan has telepathy. Um, and there's, and it's very conditional. It does. And, and, and I, I, I know you didn't set it out this way, but you know, if you were to really do, the, do a Star Trek setting, you could even probably have subspecies for, for Vulcans. Yeah. You know, one one with tele- telepathy and one without. You could even do a subspecies for a half human, right? Yeah, exactly. Um exactly. and and then at, at that point, you know, you'd probably have different XP loadouts mm. as well. But but honestly, dude, I mean, dude, two threes and a single one, I mean, good lord. You I mean, that pushes you <laughs> down to 70 starting XP off the yeah, bat. Absolutely. But I knew that this was going to be an expensive build because yeah. when it comes to Vulcans, it really is a case that they're very much specialists and they're, the way that they're trained is specific to whatever their strength is. Um, and I mean strength as in their, their internal abilities, I guess, rather than having the freedom that, say, humans do. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, they have that specific focus. Now, I didn't want to mess too much with Wound Threshold. Yes, I know that uh, they're supposed to be a lot more hardier, but I've represented that already with Brawn. Uh, so I've just left Wound Threshold and Strain Threshold both at 10. Uh, yeah. I just didn't feel that there was a need to change that much um, because they're, Agreed. You know, they're pretty much standard physiologically anyway so it didn't really make any difference i did consider for a short time 11 willpower but i just thought that that would be a little bit much overkill and secondly i knew that i was going to be running low on xp as it was so i moved away from that makes sense uh the next thing we looked at is special abilities now even though that it's it is a uh, a knowledge skill um it, it's not something that's going to be used all the time uh, yes, they're obviously going to be quite good at it because they get that free rank at the start, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be like something like, um, and we discussed this earlier, Chris, uh, is it's not going to be something like a weapon skill or, um, or perception or vigilance. Um, it is useful, sure, but it's not something that it's always going to be used all the time. Um, so there isn't a need to take it to that Uh, that extra minus five. However, because I mentioned this before, when it comes to their specialities, I've allowed them to take that skill to rank three at the time of character creation. So they become even more specialized if they want to. And yes, some of their other skills will become, uh, you know, they won't play much into their, their overall character. But this really focuses them focus them even more and players will be tempted i think to uh to take that three skill rank because they're they're super smart people i mean when it comes to to vulcans they really are the superheroes of the star trek universe because they just seem to have a bit of pretty much everything um well they're very much the the mary sues or marty stews absolutely of yes. of the galaxy, the only the only failing they have is their inability to relate to non Vulcans. I mean, that's really it. So so what what kind of XP? Like okay, so so like we were saying, if you give yourself a free rank and a knowledge skill, hmm. we, you know, even though it's intellect base, we want we wouldn't consider that to be a worth five XP. And no. so under normal circumstances, that would be basically your free skill. Right. But with the ability to train it to rank three. Hmm. I mean, what what XP what XP cost did you give that? Look, I gave that uh, a five XP cost. 
Um, Because it's, uh, again, we're still talking about a skill that isn't necessarily going to be used a lot. Right. But uh, it is something that is, you know, it it has to be worth something because it is breaking the rules. So uh, that's why I thought that 5 XP was a good costing for that. No, I agree. Uh, for other unique rules, I gave them three of them. Uh, one is, uh, is well, I mean, it's pretty obvious what it's going to be, and that would be the natural telepathy. Um, now, as we said that, uh, and look, if you wanted to go by what you said before, Chris, you could basically turn, you could remove this if you needed to. Um, but uh, there's no XP cost for this, and I'll explain why. So, your character may use the telepathy skill untrained. However, due to the volatile nature of telepathy, they must upgrade the difficulty when using this skill until they gain formal training. Mm. Um, Now, for the most part, for the Vulcans that we see on TV, all of them will have, uh, you know, the ability to be able to mind meld. But mind melding is something that you have to gain training in. It's not something that is taught from uh, a very early age. Uh, and I'm sure that some Star Trek um, geek out there will correct me on that and there'll be some reference to something somewhere. But my understanding anyway is that uh, it is very much a trained skill. Um, so, And uh, any sort of telepathy when you're reaching into someone's mind is going to be dangerous unless it's untrained. So I needed to put something in there. And an auto-upgrade, um, is uh, is suitable for that, I think, especially if you're going to be able to be tapping into people's minds. Yeah, and when um, you consider all that, I think it's worthy of a of a only a five XP thing, meaning it could be your free unique yeah, ability. Yeah. yeah, and as I like to do when it comes to you know using these things in settings, obviously getting the necessary training would take the form of a talent, uh, which may or may not be um, a species specific talent. And I know that you've mentioned in the past, Chris, that you're not a big fan of those. Um, but uh, you know, yeah. I think I mean, that I mean, I got that I would treat training as as a skill rank. Mm. Yeah, true, true. But that is very true. Yeah, um, it just depends well, on on how you're looking at it. But now, um, this but, assuming yeah. this also assumes that you're in a setting that has a telepathy skill. Of course. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, now the next one I had is Colin R. Uh, now, for those Star Trek uh, non-Star Trek fans amongst us, uh, Colinar is a is a thing that some Vulcan characters go through, um, and uh, you see it readily in uh, some of the stories. Uh, so, I've said with that, your character has undergone the ritual journey to purge all emotion. Uh, they add two boost die to any checks they make to defend against or resist coercion and other mental attacks targeting that character, or to push their body or mind past difficult environmental circumstances. However, if your character performs a willpower-based check that generates three threat or a despair, the GM may spend these results to declare that you have lost control. If your character loses control, they must upgrade the difficulty of any checks they make until they can rest and meditate for a lengthy period of time, usually several hours of uninterrupted meditation. Huh. So uh, that's to, I mean, this isn't going to happen in every situation. And as a GM, I think there'd have to be some sort of sidebar that says that, you know, don't overabuse this because, you know, it's going to turn into, so how's the Vulcan going to lose it this week? Uh, which sometimes can be, 
you know, original Trek in particular. Um, but uh, I think that it makes a bit of sense to to have that downside just to balance the ability a little bit um, and uh, to make it just a, uh, a 5 XP cost. Mm, yeah, um, I would agree with so, that. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. Now, you also have to ta- have a totally separate sidebar called Pawn Far, where <laughs> if, if they manage to generate three despair... On a yes. willpower-based check, <laughs> then guess what? It's once every seven years, and now you not only have you lost control, you're in the pond far, baby. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dear, and if you don't know what Pond Fire is, look it up. We're not going to go through it now. Um, <laughs> but uh, the last one that I have, which I felt was very, very fitting for this character, um, and I must admit, uh, I got a little bit of help from uh, from Chris on this one. Uh, but it's it's cold demeanor. Now, your character's suppressed emotional state makes it difficult to relate to others outside your species. Your character adds a single setback die to any charm, deception, leadership, and coercion checks they make, but also adds a boost die to negotiation checks they make. This does not apply when interacting with other Vulcans. Sound a little bit familiar? It is because we <laughs> twisted uh, we twisted uh, the ability Fe- that Chris used. Fearsome. Uh, and his, Straight from the book. Fearsome. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've just twisted it around a little bit. And it makes total sense for this particular character. Um, and this gave me an extra 5 XP, which was really, really nice. Um, and boy, did I need it. Um, but it really sort of emphasizes the fact that, um, you know, they don't always get along. And couple this with the fact that they, uh, they, their presence isn't all that good. This becomes a really nasty thing for those uh, that particular character. So that's, I mean, that's the, well, that's the thing. Man. The the one, as we said, the one fault the Vulcans have is that they're jerks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is this is how you represent that. It's like, oh yeah. By the way, every social skill that's worth a damn, you take a setback die to, in addition to your crappy presence. <laughs> but but it like as we were going through this, it made total sense that 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 same cold demeanor, the same way being fearsome would give you a boost to coercion. Your yeah. cold demeanor should give you a boost to negotiation, man. It's like you're hard to crack, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it just, it made a lot of sense. I, I thought, I thought it was a, a clever, a clever twisting, reskinning, reworking of, of that ability. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now this did end up with a very, very small XP start, but again, as I mentioned, you want these characters, uh, a Vulcan character to be specialized. That's their thing. Um, they're, uh, so I ended up with an XP of 65 which uh, is pretty low comparison to uh, to most other species. Well, but I mean, I dude, think you're, that it balances it out as far well, as well, dude. I'm you're concerned. starting with two threes, okay? Yeah, exactly. All right. Exactly. If, if that wasn't the case, this would be a 95 XP character, okay? Which is yep. totally in the realm of normalcy, okay? Hmm. So it, it's like it's just highly specialized. It's like the decision's been made for you. Oh yeah, instead of bumping up, bumping up your your you know 
whatever to three. No, you will be bumping up your brawn to three. We've already made a decision for you. We've already removed the XP cost for <laughs> yep, you. Exactly. By the way. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very focused characters they end up being, especially at the start. Um, but, uh, yeah, as you say, Chris, having three in um, two – uh, and only one one that um yeah that makes a pretty potent character so uh, so yeah i thought that was a vulcan and, and dude if you think about the vulcans in starfleet mm. okay un- un- until they eventually if they're re- ready for it make it to command where do they start they always start in one of two like they're they're only wearing two uniform colors typically mm. that's right science? and those two uni- <laughs> science and and um operations security yes yeah 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 yeah. all right which which corresponds quite frankly to intellect and brawn Mm. (laughs) (laughs) all right so Mm -hmm. i mean yeah they are hyper focused characters makes total sense um no you did a good job with this man this was this was a great one i love it i absolutely love it thanks awesome I absolutely love it. And and guys, you all can find the write-ups for uh, everything we've talked about, um, mm-hmm. including these two uh, species archetypes, mm-hmm. um, available, of course, at our website at ForgeGenesis.com in the mm-hmm. episode notes. Um, yep. So absolutely, absolutely love it. Holy, this was a great discussion. I love mm. returning to the archetype creation, man. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we've only got one of those to go. I know, and I I can't wait to talk about, (laughs) honestly, my favorite, the presence-based archetypes. Yeah, yeah. The the silver-tongued devils (laughs) um, out out there. To be honest, it's going to be a little bit more of a muted discussion because, with a few exceptions, you don't have the trope and theme variability that you do with others. No, that is true. So, uh, (laughs) but we'll um, find them. We'll we'll, we'll find them. And honestly, I don't think it's the last one to talk about, Huli. Mm. I was doing some thinking with this and a conversation with one of our listeners, actually. Mm. And after we finish Presence, I think we should do one more. Oh, okay. I think we should do the all twos. Ah, We haven't talked about the adaptable generic species. True. "Quote unquote humans mm. of of the archetype, and, and I I, I wanted you know it might not be too big of a discussion, but I think there's a lot of fun to be had talking mm. about all you can do with the Buku XP that you're going to start with with that kind of build, yep. and some really interesting and creative, unique abilities that can apply to that adaptable type mm. um, average species. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, so, and so I don't even think, I, I think we have two more, Huli, not one. I, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> and there's one that I definitely want to do. And it's more about not talking about um, sort of the, uh, the, the, the attributes really, um, but it's uh, a lot of it has to come from uh, the Keyforge book Mm -hmm. the secrets of the crucible because there are a lot of you know you've got the randomly created species but if you notice in there there are a lot all of those abilities have an xp cost yep and i think that that's something that we'll talk about but uh but absolutely absolutely all part of our glorious plan i wish we had one (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh yeah i'm happy to be part of any plan that we're doing um but anyway that's all right um, look, um, I think it's time, as uh, as I'm trying ever so hard to do one of your wonderful segues, but I fail every time. But um, 
<laughs> I think it's time for Under the Hammer. What do you reckon? I think uh, I think it's time to get some listener questions. So yeah, let's move into Under the Hammer. Under the Hammer. And welcome to Under the Hammer, the segment where we answer your games and rules questions about the Genesis role-playing game as it impacts both rules, content creation, and play. And we've got more great listener questions uh, this week, and thank you for everyone for waiting for as long as you have. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, only been able to, uh, probably for the length of the show, or due to the length of the show, we've uh, we've only been able to get two questions, but we will get to, to more of those in the future. Um, of course, if you would like to get your questions to run to the top of the queue, just visit patreon.com forward slash Forge Genesis and become a tier two Patreon supporter today. All right, Chris, bring us our first question. This was a, this was a fun one. Um, it came in from, um, from, from listener Kyrith um, via Discord. Um, and he, he, he had the following. He said, how would you portray a walking dead type of undead that could only be put down with headshots. Mm-hmm. Increase soak, maybe by five. Ooh, no, Kyrith. No, not by five. No. <laughs> um, uh, increased wounds, uh, increased defense dice, um, mm. maybe increase the soak, but allow called shots aims to bypass. <laughs> um, he's throwing ideas at everybody. everybody. He, says, he says, I want to throw a little twist at my players. I want to make these zombies feel different than shooting at a group of gangers or whatever increase the tension make it feel a little more desperate you know the pcs have been around for a while and they can shred most average minions mm, that um, is true well, we had actually a, a long and, and really great discussion on the discord around this one frankly a lot yep. of people were participating and i mm. i think we're going to echo a lot of that advice yeah yeah absolutely um, uh, so look the obvious avenue is, is going to be to handle it narratively so a you know a hit uh, in inverted commas with wounds doesn't mean actual hits with wounds. Narratively speaking, it's all just shots fired into uh, until the wound threshold is met, which could be your you know your final headshot. But for experienced players and I guess GMs that that really want to shift things up, you may well be bound and determined to do something mechanical instead of narrative. Um, you know, now in that case, we have, and probably as, as Chris mentioned, we'll echo a lot of some of the things that the our members have said, and they've been fantastic suggestions. So uh, we'll uh, we'll go into a few of those. So what was yeah. our first one, Chris? Well, there was a couple that we, we felt really had merit. And I, mm. I, I want to stress, like, increasing soak, wounds, adding defense dice, this is... Um, you got to be really careful increasing soak, man. That's that's a dangerous, dangerous game. Oh yeah. Um, the the first one, and and I I think this is not a bad one at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is is it's kind of a, a revamping of of one one of the things that our our um, Discord one of our Discord users has suggested mm-hmm. uh, a special ability. Maybe you want to call it hard to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, that is unique to you know. It, it, obviously, it can be applied to to any any threat, but you obviously apply it to this threat mm-hmm. um, that adds two setback dice to any attack made against them. So it's not defense; it just mm-hmm. adds two setback dice to any attack made against them. But taking an aim maneuver on the target removes one setback die. Mm. So in that way, 
aiming twice, especially becomes a headshot. Basically, I mean, with with that in place, you can you know you can treat them as minions and really not do much with their stats. And you know, if you spray fire at them, you might get something through, and you'll get some headshots because you got lucky. But if <laughs> you're if you're one on one and you really want to take the time to aim, and you hit. Um, you know, you're likely going to take out that minion because it's a minion, but you took the time to aim. Therefore you made it a headshot. Mm. Whereas if you hadn't, you probably would have hit it somewhere else or missed. Yeah. Or at least not, not, not taken it out basically. Yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned that you wouldn't give them a ranged defense rather than, uh, instead using this new hard to kill ability. So why wouldn't you use um, a uh, give them a, a melee defense? What's the what's the purpose of that? My thing is, I I don't I don't like and with, with a special ability, I don't I don't I I actually would not recommend that you add range defense. There, there's there's many other problems with that um, in terms of how it interacts with the other rules and with this special ability because that's the thing. Like if if you add range defense and you aim, it doesn't get rid of the setback die. Yeah, hmm. it just gives that's you right. boost die. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So. What's unique about this special ability is that it's not adding range defense. It's just saying, yo, they got setback dice to attacks made against them. Mm. But if you aim, yeah, true. Yep. you'll be removing the setback die, which mm. that doesn't happen with range defense. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Interesting. But <laughs> if you want to freak your players out completely. Oh boy, this was this is an interesting suggestion. <laughs> uh, make it so that these zombies have a special ability, call it Walking Dead if you want, uh, where the only way to damage them is via a critical hit. Um, and, uh, you know, as a result, you're going to have to keep them as minions. Now, this is going to encourage PCs to do more of that aiming in order to get more advantages um, and can represent that headshot. Now, that last option is, uh, it's really powerful, uh, but certainly suits the vibe that you're going for. And for longer campaigns with this rule in place and these kinds of undead, you can counteract that, uh, that OP nature by creating a talent that lowers the critical rating of weapons when dealing with zombies. Um, tier 2 or Tier 3 sounds appropriate. And you might want to make it ranked. Uh, another thing that you could um, throw in there as well is that you can increase, uh, the when firing at these particular zombies, it increases the critical rating of um, any weapon by however much. Uh, because then they're going to need more advantages. So you're not always going to be getting headshots. Mm. And then by bringing that talent in, you're sort of counteracting that as well. So that's a, that's an option. Um, so when attacking a target with a Walking Dead special ability, you may lower the critical rating of the weapon used by one for each rank of this talent that you possess to a minimum of two. Now, there are some abilities out there which say one, but they have been, and you know, we've all looked at. Um, I, I can't remember what the name of the talent is in in Star Wars, but there was one that allowed you to do that, and it kind of broke the game a little bit. Um, and uh, you know, people were house ruling it galore. I can't remember what the name of that talent was, but um, but anyway, I, I wouldn't mind like an improved version of this talent that could change the minimum to a one, but that would be like a tier. Four or five four talent, or five. yeah, and, exactly. and, and again, the talent only applies to those with the Walking Dead special ability. So I don't, mm. I wouldn't consider that to be 
game breaking. No, that's true. Um, because it's only ever going to apply to a very, very specific enemy type yep. that should be a minion anyway. Yeah. And I think one of the things to remember as well is the reason why you keep them as minions is because that critical kills one of them. And that includes with triumphs as well. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe if you want to go all out, you can create a talent that allows um, a character when uh, fighting against a creature with uh, the Walking Dead ability to be able to use a triumph as well um, as your advantages to kill two. Um, so you could go down that, that path. That would be fairly like potent and high that tier. Would be ve- Playtest play that. <laughs> um, play, play, yeah, playtest that. But but no, you bring up a really good point. Like you, if you're like if you say that these things can only be damaged by a critical hit, hmm. you like have to make them minions because yes. yeah. Otherwise, you. I mean, if if you gave that if you gave that ability to a rival or God forbid a nemesis, you'd never hmm. kill it ever no. ever. You could you could never kill it. Yeah. I mean, you have to wait for a crit. You know, but but like if you keep it as a, a, if you only apply this to minions, like you know, it's one of those things that you're just you know you're you're popping one off when you crit, mm. but when you yeah. do, it's it's gone, it's done. But it, you know, you, you really do have to crit. I mean, and that could also explain why you often see such success with, um, I forget the name of the character in Walking Dead who uses the katana. Um, oh, um, uh, Michonne. Yeah, Michonne. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, but but you know melee weapons with like a katana very low crit ratings Mm -hmm. Mm. um would make a lot of sense why they're so terribly effective yeah um mechanically Mm. but i think it goes without saying huli that with either of these two options Mm. you should either one play test it very well first if you can or if you're in kyra situation where he wants to kind of freak out and surprise his players I think you should let them know ahead of time you're trying something new and unusual <laughs> and you need to be ready to roll it back if it becomes not fun <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because there is serious potential for not fun game breakage here because yeah. even even like aiming and increasing and getting more boost die and doing it, I mean, Huli, how often when you roll the pool, when you just giving yourself a bunch of extra dice and you're like, oh man, I really need to crit. <laughs> and you just end up rolling a bunch of successes, which is great. You get a lot of damage. But yep. in this scenario, if the minion can only be killed by a critical or harmed by a critical, mm-hmm. then, I mean, yeah. wow, seven successes. That means nothing. Yeah, And and that happens just as often as Buku advantage when you start loading dice on. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, and I mean, yeah. that's something that you'd have to look at. Maybe that it has something similar. And I think one of the... Uh, the character or the creature types in uh, Terranoth has this, where they uh, you reduce the damage to half the da- the amount of damage that goes through, or or something like that. But yeah, play testing would would be very very necessary, I think, um, to uh, to do something like that. But um, you know, yeah, hmm. interesting. I like that question when it came up. Generator, as you said, lots of of discussion. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So our next question comes from Judica, uh, which was asked via the FFG forums, and uh, Judica says, "Hey folks, I have a question about the poisonous species feature 
when creating a new species under the rules in Secrets of the Crucible. Uh, the poisonous feature is as follows. The species secretes poison, exudes toxic fumes, bleeds acid, or is otherwise dangerous to be around. While another creature is engaged with a member of the species, threat can be spent from that of the character's checks to make them suffer one wound. Now, based on this, would you say that the one wound bypasses soak, or does soak come into play here? Well, that's an easy answer. It's an easy answer. <laughs> um, so, for, for those following along in their storybooks, if you happen to have Secrets of the Crucible, mm. um, I was looking at this earlier just to confirm his text. The yep. uh, the poisonous species ability is page 50 um, on the top right-hand side um, mm. and functions just as he described it. Mm. Um, the key word here, Huli. Yes. The key word. <laughs> the, the key, key word, word is... Suffer. Suffer. <laughs> suffer. To make them suffer one wound. And this has been clarified by the developers numerous times, Judicar. Um, yep. And I believe even has been clarified in, in Arata at this point. That's um, yep. or, or at least FAQ. Where uh, the, the differentiation is between suffering wounds or strain versus dealing wound or strain damage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you see the word damage, that means that soak applies. If Correct. you see the if if you don't see the word damage, it means that it bypasses soak. Mm. Um. So if they suffer one wound, yeah, it doesn't matter if they got a. It doesn't matter if they have breach ten. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna take that wound. You yep. mean armor, but I knew what you meant. Uh, oh no, I meant or oh, yeah, armor. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah, armor. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they have armor ten. All right, nope. not nope. soak ten, armor ten, right. which is what so, soak one hundred. If yep. they suffer, if it's suffer, there it's gonna buy. It's gonna bypass that soak. Correct. Correct. So yeah. so yeah, man. Hmm. So yeah, wound versus wound damage. Uh, that's yeah. what it boils down to. Um, yep. So yeah, very simple one. So thank you uh, to Judicar as well as uh, Cairo for those questions. Uh, greatly appreciated. And we will get to more in our next episode. Mm-hmm. Well, Huli, that does, I believe, bring us to the end of yet another show. It does. Um, and it was so long between this one and the last one. But, uh, you know, we'll be back sooner than six weeks, <laughs> at least I hope so, uh, with a new episode. And uh, we still, yes, still, we are sorry, um, have in the planning phase an episode with several special guests to help us tackle a review and QA episode for Keyforge Secrets of the Crucible. Uh, but uh, we also want to know, want you to know that other cool show topics uh, you want us to cover. So how do we do that, Chris? <laughs> well, we, we want to know those things. I also like to say <laughs> we are still, of course, accepting questions about Secrets of the Crucible. Yep. Uh, but we do want more. So if you guys have questions um, or topics related to Secrets of the Crucible, or as Julia said, any other show topic suggestions or questions for us or about Genesis or gaming in general, for that matter, we want you to contact us. And Julia, there are very simple ways that they can contact us. There is. Um, you can email us at forgedenesis at d20radio.com or you can post it up via one of the many social media platforms where we have a dedicated post calling for questions, including Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and the FFG forums. Uh, all that you need to do is just search for forge at Forge Genesis um, or just Forge Genesis. 
Um, I've also been seeing some great conversations, as we've mentioned uh, throughout on the D20 Radio Discord channel, and of course, truly dedicated conversations with our Patreons uh, on our very own podcast Discord server. And we would love to hear from you all. Please don't forget that you can also join the even larger discussion in the D20 Radio Facebook group, where we nerds congregate to cross-pollinate. And uh, don't forget to give us a like or follow us as well on any of our social media sites. You can drop us a review on those sites or on your favorite podcatcher, including iTunes, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. We're on the big stakes now. Big, Yeah, big time. <laughs> Uh, you can also visit our website at forgegenesis.com. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us. Thank you all for listening. And again, we apologize for um, the six weeks, uh, but life does get in the way. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, you've uh, been safe out there with uh, everything that's going on still with uh, COVID-19, as well as all the other stuff that's been going on, especially in your country, Chris. I'm concerned about a lot of friends and family that are being affected by natural issues right now. Yeah, that's true. That Um, is true. You know, we got, I got, I got quite a few friends in California that have been dealing with wildfire. wildfire oh, stuff. really? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got a good friend, actually, um, who I know listens to the show. And uh, mm. um, JC, man, if you're listening, uh, my, my thoughts are with your brother. He, uh, he lost his home entirely. Oh, no. So. That's awful. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And we hope that you can join us next time as we continue to explore the Genesis role-playing game as we do. I'm GM Hooli, may your triumphs be many and your despairs be few. And I'm GM Chris, wishing you peace, love, and good game. Thanks again for joining us. And remember, The Forge Podcast helping you hone your gaming edge. The Forge at Genesis Podcast is a proud member of the T20 Radio Network. For more information about the network, visit www.d20radio.com. The Forge is a fan-generated podcast. All the information provided on the podcast, social media, and related website is not affiliated with Fantasy Flight Games or any of their licensors. The content of this podcast remains a property of the Forge at Genesis RPG Podcast and is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The Genesis Role Playing Game, Genesis Logo, Genesis Foundry, content, and all material remain the property of Fantasy Flight Games. All products available on the Genesis Foundry website remain the property of their respective companies and individuals. For more information about the Forge at Genesis RPG Podcast, visit www.forge.com. Genesis.com.